Now, um, I received a worldwide distribution announcement, I guess, about Robert Morning Sky. There was a hit-and-run accident. Put the word accident, I guess, in quotes. And for a time, Mr. Morning Sky went into hiding. For all I know, he's still in hiding now. He sent first a fax regarding that, then this announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, for just over one year, I've had the honor and the privilege to be able to share the story of my grandfather's rescue of a star being. I've also had the extraordinary good fortune to be able to share some of my own research with you, research that reveals a dark past, a hidden history of planet Earth, an unspoken and deliberately suppressed truth. Through the power structure of the UFO community, though it's resisted us, I am extremely proud of the response that you, the average citizen, have shown me. I've always believed the average man and woman knows they have been lied to throughout their lives. I believe that every one of us is also aware that there's more to life than work, taxes, patriotism, and guilt. I thank you for embracing my suggestion that man has been deceived. It is, therefore, with some degree of sadness that I advise you that I will no longer make any public appearances, nor will I offer any further workshops on the Terra Papers. This was not an easy decision. Several things necessitated. The, quote, accident, end quote, which I just suffered. The time that I have spent away from my family. The fulfillment of ancient prophecies. The appearance of the Hale-Bopp Comet. The newest scorpion crop circle formations. The uncovering of evidence of a secret family manipulating the world the evidence of a soon-to-be second coming. All this and more have brought me to this place. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is short. The prophecies suggest that. I believe it is important for me to complete the books which I have begun. I honestly believe you would prefer to know more about the hidden history and the hidden present rather than just review the hidden history. I firmly believe if you have found my work up to this time to be worthy, then you will be astounded at what is to come. I hope you will understand and continue to support my work. Thank you, Robert Morning Sky. And uh, that was the, I believe, essence of the most recent announcement. Would that be true? Uh, welcome to the program, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much, Art. Um, is that roughly accurate? Um, yes, yes it is. It's, it's right on the button. I'm mm -hmm. not going to uh, uh, be out in the public eye anymore. It's uh, a situation that I just uh, simply can't handle. My family and I are just uh, too concerned about what's going on. So uh, it was, as you said, uh, a very difficult uh, position for us, but uh, that's where we stand. We're just not going to go back out into the uh, public eye anymore. Okay. Robert, are you in hiding now? I wouldn't call it in hiding. Uh, I suppose some people who, you know, have known me in the last year and a half and, and have known the thousands of miles that we've traveled may depict it as such. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't want to portray it in that fashion. I just want to be tucked away 
and to be able to finish the work uh, that we began uh, to finish out some of the things that we promised we would do and um, try to remain out of harm's way. And I know that may sound paranoid, but... Uh, well, no, uh, it actually does not. Um, it does not, Robert, because something has happened to you. Now, I know you don't want to discuss it a lot, but I've got to ask some questions. Uh, you were involved in a hit-and-run accident. Um, as, tell me about the accident uh, itself, rather than right now discussing uh, the intent or motivation or whatever it was. W tell me about the accident itself. Well, um, I was uh, in early June. I was preparing for the uh, gathering of elders at the uh, Star, uh, Star Knowledge Conference in uh, South Dakota. And... Uh, I reside out in the hot Arizona desert, and uh, I normally go running quite late in the evening because it's cooler. And I actually seldom exceed uh, two blocks from uh, where I actually reside. And uh, I was out running in the evening, and I've, I've done this several times, so and I've always been careful. And this one time, I just... Uh, uh, he came out of nowhere, and um, we argued, and he won. <laughs> so, I um, were you running when you were hit? Yes, I was. He came up from behind me. Did he have his lights on? No. No lights. No. Um, obviously, had he struck you head on? Okay, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask, but I would assume that had he struck you head on, and actually run over you in the classic way we imagine it you wouldn't be here talking with me at all. So was it a glancing blow, or how were you hit? Well, I, I was running actually on the side of the road, and um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I am a dancer, and I, I have performed in many powwows. And, and I'm very much my, aware my, of that, yes. My presentation, so I like to think that I'm healthy and stay in shape. And actually what happened was when I heard, uh, perhaps even felt the car behind me, um, and, and I don't know. I don't know why I didn't hear it. Uh, I, I don't think I was caught up in, in any thoughts, but I turned enough to see it coming, and I literally just leaped as, as hard as I could to the side of the road, and uh, I was very fortunate in that, that uh, I, I, I can't say that I actually recall uh, the, the, the collision, but... Uh, I actually, when I hit a grass, I was kind of near a ditch, and I rolled down into the ditch, and I stayed there for just a few moments just to see if I could hear or see anything. Um, I didn't, and uh, as I said, it was only uh, just a couple of blocks from home, and uh, I managed to make my way back home. So I take it this car didn't slow, didn't stop. Oh, no. Didn't no, say. No. 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 There was it no just... horn. There was no, uh, there were no lights. There was... Uh, uh, again, I don't know how it got behind me. Um, it, it just was there, and the next thing you know, I was uh, was a combination of my uh, just, I guess, out of sheer panic or reaction, I jumped to the side. And, yeah, sure. Uh, what time of night was this? Um, would have been about uh, somewhere between 11 and 11.30 in the evening. So somebody tried to murder you. <laughs> I mean, at 11.30 at night, uh, Robert, a dead... Uh, uh, dead dark, um, no headlights, not stopping after the accident. Somebody tried to murder you. I, mean, I, I don't see how else anybody could add that one up. I'd, I'd like to, you know, to uh, say that 
it, it was, uh, I think, because we haven't had a chance to talk about it, I, I think it had to do with the newest research. I think it had to do with some papers that we sent to Europe. Yep. I think, I, I don't know, I, I, I want to just maybe describe it as a warning as opposed to a deliberate attempt. I, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar, as I'm sure many, many of your listeners are, when, when there is a, a professional who is out there who is trying to do something, uh, they, they seldom miss. I mean, they that's just true. do it. So, that's true. But you, that jump may have saved your life, and you really can't uh, afford to take a chance that, uh, that, uh, that your assessment is right, that if they'd really wanted to kill you, they would have killed you. Obviously, you can't afford to take that chance. So, what? Let's take this in steps. What injuries did you suffer? Um, I suffered uh, a cracked thumb, two cracked ribs, and a torn ligament in my right leg. It was my my right leg that took, uh, I, I believe, that took the brunt of the uh, the collision. Okay. And I tore a ligament. And you tore a ligament. So yes. so you've been uh, for some time. How long ago was this, Robert? You know, the most interesting thing, it happened on June the 6th. June 6th. And the reason it was interesting to me is because I have a young man in Los Angeles who uh, called me that very same evening, and we were talking about, uh, do you realize what a momentous day it is? And I said, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to, but he was looking at the calendar, and he came up with 666. Right. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, it's going to be, uh, let, let's see what happens today. And... Uh, wouldn't you know? I mean, no, what, know? what an interesting... Um... I got a lot of calls about 666 on that day. Um, so you're right. For you, anyway, it certainly was a very momentous day. And uh, So after this occurred, or immediately afterward, you couldn't have known. I mean, you must have assumed the po at least the possibility that somebody was trying to kill you. So... What did you do? Did you gather your family and get the hell out of Dodge? Did you go to the hospital? Uh, did you lay low for a while? What's the deal? I, I did exactly, um, you know, as you started out, I, I got my family and I said, okay, well, you know, we just can't take a chance here. So um, where I used to live, where I used to reside, I'm no longer there. And uh, we called a uh, private physician, someone that I've known for years, and um, I said, look, I, I'm pretty sure I can get through the night. Uh, we moved the family essentially to safety, and, and uh, I went to go see him in the morning. Um, he encouraged me, of course, to, to file a police report, but it's like, you know, what, what what's the point? What am I going to do here? Um, I, I was much more concerned with staying out of the picture, stay, keeping my family mm -hmm. together, and uh, if, in fact, you know, it happened as I think it happened, that it was a deliberate warning, I'd like to look at it that way as opposed to a de deliberate attempt to take me out. I'd, I'd let's just look at it as a warning, and um, we need to think about what we're going to do next. And so, would, would you interpret the warning to be, um, okay, this is a warning, this is serious, mm -hmm. you continue down the path you're going, and next time we won't miss? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so even at this moment, while you say you're not exactly in hiding, you're you're not exactly announcing where you are. Oh, absolutely, either. that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. We have an office number that you know, people can reach us and uh, pass on information. But uh, um, I'm I'm keeping my whereabouts just essentially quiet. I just would you know like the time to to consider 
what I want to do in the future. As a matter of fact, I, I got to tell you that I only answered, uh, started answering phone calls today, and uh, you were the first one we took. So I got to say, your timing is, is uh, quite miraculous. They uh, say timing is everything. <laughs> I guess so. All right. Uh, now. Uh, you're going to stay relatively secluded. You're going to begin yeah. to do some very serious writing. Yeah. Uh, tell us, if you would, what were what was the information that that you were in possession of that you think led to this warning? Um, okay. Um, not too long ago, at the end of May, I received a uh, package in the mail from. Um, an individual in Europe who um, publishes a magazine and said, uh, listen, uh, Robert, would you please take a look at this material? Um, uh, my my passion in, in the research that we have been doing has always been linguistics. And he said, would you please take a look at the linguistics, uh, look at this new information, this new data. And uh, I, I will go so far as to say that it was from France, the information was, mm -hmm. and it was in regards to the Templar Knights. And I have always been intrigued with the Templar Knights. I, I don't know what they are. What what are the Templar Knights? Well, the, the, the Templar Knights uh, were a group that were essentially formed in uh, roughly 1200 A.D. and uh, created to uh, protect pilgrims in the Holy Land. These were uh, heroic knights, warrior monk knights is how they identified themselves. Uh, they were... Uh, put together in order to protect the pilgrims from bandits and uh, robbers, etc., when they were uh, on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land. Um, they were very, very well received because, in fact, uh, they did just that. They protected the pilgrims. They were uh, an order that dedicated themselves to the, uh, the Holy Mother Mary. And uh, in in less than 10 years, the entirety of Europe uh, welcomed them with open arms, gave them land, uh, castles, uh, monies, and gifts, and they became a very, very powerful force. Um, after a short time, they left the Holy Land and began to establish themselves in uh, France, where they um, suddenly seemed to have turned on the very um, oaths that they had taken. For example, in, in pledging themselves to the Holy Mother Mary, uh, suddenly they're accused of doing things like spitting on the cross and trampling on it, uh, denying the validity of, of the authority of the church. Uh, essentially, it seemed as if they were contradicting the, the very, very basic premise that they had. Uh, they were seen as rebellious to the church oh, and religion uh, and, and blasphemous, no doubt. Blasphemous and sacrilegious. And, Was there a basis to these allegations? Well, um, in fact, there there appears to be. The, uh, the Pope himself, along with uh, King Philip the Fair of France, trumped up some charges and one of the things that came out of the trial was that these Templar Knights, a holy order dedicated again to the Virgin Mary, I cannot stress how important that was, they actually were accused of and admitted to having in their possession this very mysterious head. It was known as Baphomet. And they, the, the Templar Knights are a very interesting paradox in that a very holy, religious, very uh, strict and disciplined uh, order of monks who suddenly seem to, after a 200 years, seem to have turned 
on the entire Christian faith, and in particular in the church. What has since transpired, and there are several authors who, and, and I've got to give a lot of credit to Bayesian Lee and Lincoln, gentlemen who wrote uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Messianic Legacy, they, they researched it, and they discovered that apparently the Templar Knights were very well aware and seemed to have some sort of documented evidence that showed that, um, and well, here we go with your readers, or, or your listeners, I'm sure some will get upset, but there was documentary evidence that Jesus uh, did not in fact die on the cross, but that he survived. And apparently what the Templar Knights were doing were having the truth that Jesus was still alive, and in fact, let's add some more logs uh, to the fire, Jesus was married and had children. The children uh, fled to France with their mother, and that in, in essence there was an entire line, a lineage descended from Jesus living in France. The knights discovered this, pledged themselves, they had pledged themselves to the, uh, the, the Holy Mother, Mary, and in fact began to defend this lineage from Jesus. This in turn then prompted them to say, okay, wait a minute, if, if Jesus is alive and if his, excuse me, if he lived and he has descendants, who better to sit on the throne and head up the church than a descendant? This then of course, um, uh, gives them reason to turn and deny the church, mm -hmm. to deny the, the cross, mm -hmm. because in fact Jesus didn't die. They're, they're, and so. I'm getting the picture. Right. So the Templar Knights, uh, and, and again, there is documented evidence. There, there are historical records that not just I, but several other people have been able to, to dig up that showed that uh, there was a line descended from Jesus alive and well in France, mm -hmm. and that the Templar Knights were aware of it. And this is, I mean, anybody who begins to look into this story has to be incredibly intrigued with, you know, the possibilities, not just in the past, but what happens if, you know, some of these descendants are still alive today. All right, so this script was sent to you to decipher, well, to translate, to decipher. I, exactly. I, I had already done some research on uh, these individuals and had sent uh, 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 this gentleman some information on them in the past. And he said, look, I have some new information. Take a look at it. And I did. And by going through a linguistic uh, analysis and, and tying it in with some of the pieces that we had here, mm -hmm. um, I, I was I was ex extremely excited. I was I was beyond myself because one of the things that had always plagued me about these uh, Templar knights was this very curious, this very mysterious head that they were supposed to possess. It was a bearded head, according to most. And it had always bothered me. You know, it's it's one of those puzzles that sticks with you and it just won't let go and it won't let go and I had known about this for many years and this new information allowed me to linguistically break down in French, in Latin and in the Egyptian the identity of this mysterious head. Alright, hold, hold it hold it right there Robert. We're at the top of the hour. Relax, we'll be back to you. My guest is Robert Morning Sky. Uh, back now to uh, Robert Morning Sky. Robert uh, all right, we are, we've been talking about the Templar Knights, uh, which I understand has some connection, loose or otherwise, some say to the, uh, Freemasons, is that correct? Yes, sir, that's correct. Mm -hmm. All right, um, and you mentioned, um, the fact that, uh, they, uh, came to believe that Jesus did not die on the cross, so it's easy to understand why the Christian world would be out 
Headhunting, more or less. Right. Um, you mentioned a head. What, what do you mean by this head you were talking about? Well, when the Templar Knights were uh, brought before the uh, court in, in uh, France and essentially the, the Pope, um, one of the accusations was that they had in their possession, um, if not a real head, at least a symbolic head, though at the time they were accused of actually having what I guess would essentially be a mummified bearded head. And uh, the Templar Knights, quite to the surprise of, of many of their admirers, admitted to the fact that they did have this head in their possession. But then the accusations began to fly that that they uh, revered the head, that they prayed to it. I understand. What was the head, supposedly? Of what? Um, well, the, the descriptions in, in all of the books, that, if there are any descriptions at all, described it as a man's bearded head. They did, uh, the Inquisition did, in fact, uh, in an inventory of uh, the, the Grand Lodge, they listed a head, and they gave it a very, very cryptic title. Uh, it was, mm -hmm. in Latin, it was Caput, C-A-P-U-T, and then the numbers L-B-I-I, which effectively mean uh, 58 in Roman numerals, and then a very curious little letter M. So the designation on the inventory, based on a description by one of the Templar Knights, was Caput 58 and then this very curious little M. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had never been deciphered, though many people have tried and suggested it was uh, essentially the head of Mohammed and uh, on and on. There were many, many things that, you know, many uh, kinds of strange things attributed to it. It was a very curious uh, um, piece of material that assisted when when it was sent to me by this gentleman in Europe, I looked at that, compared it to some of the ancient uh, Egyptian and Hebrew letters, and found that, um, well, in short, the identity was revealed. It, it uh, was quite astonishing, and I was absolutely excited because this head had plagued me for so long only to find out what its identity was. But I have to tell you, uh, years ago, um, when I was part of the real world, I worked with newspapers, and uh, I had been raised as a, a writer-reporter in the, the uh, uh, media and had to have three sources. So, in fact, I went to some ancient Hebrew sources, Hebrew-Aramaic, and then I went to some uh, um, French sources and, in fact, was able to verify the linguistic analysis of, of the head and who it represented, unfortunately or fortunately, this suddenly opened up a floodgate and it was the, the identity of head suddenly not only supported the fact that the, the family of Jesus or his descendants were alive in France. And again, I'll, you know, I've, I've got to let you know that I am not the only one who has come to this conclusion. There are several authors in Europe who have greater documentation, who have been able to verify that there are, to this day, descendants of uh, Jesus alive in Europe. However, what happened for me was that the deciphering of the head, of the identity of the head, allowed me to trace it back um, not only to the time of Jesus and Mary, but even beyond into ancient Egypt, into ancient Samaria. And uh, All right, well, don't hold us in suspense. You know the identity of the head. What is it? <laughs> the 
a lot of your listeners, are, I'm sure, are going to be sending uh, daggers and, and poison thoughts my way. However, they do it all the time, so, so the, go ahead, just give it to us. The, the head itself, I am not convinced that it was the actual head, but at least the symbolic head, was not that of a bearded man. In fact, the linguistic breakdown of Caput 58 um, identifies it as the symbolic head of the Holy Mother Mary. The wow. term in ancient Aramaic and Egyptian kaput is uh, essentially the same root as kaput, which means beard, but in fact it means head. This was the symbolic head of the Holy Mother Mary, not the Virgin Mary, but the Holy Mother of uh, the children of Jesus. In fact, the Templar Knights had uh, pledged their oath and their lives to the wife of Jesus, not to the mother of Jesus. Do you still have these papers? Yes, sir, I do. You do? Yes. Now, uh, and through the reading and the interpretation of them, you have come to believe that this is true? Yes, sir. I have at least three sources, and again, probably a, a half a dozen authors in Europe. The documentation is there, and uh, once the head is looked at as a symbolic head of Mary, Suddenly, not only the name, but several yeah. connections with uh, the temples of Isis, the uh, the Delphi Oracle, uh, several things occurred that all brought it uh, to life. Okay, well then, it's not understand. It's not really hard for me to understand why somebody tried to knock you off or warn you or whatever. Well, uh, it's obvious why. And uh, the, you know, if I open phone lines now, they would uh, oratorically try and uh, behead you. Believe me. No, I have no doubt. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so now you've got these papers. You've come to believe this. Um, I wonder how and if you are able to uh, integrate what you believe to be true now, this new knowledge you have, with what we have talked about so many times before, Robert, uh, you know, a prophecy, uh, Native American prophecy. Mm -hmm. Does it... Do you find highs, uh, or are you? Is your belief system beginning to shift? Oh no, not not at all. Quite the contrary. What has occurred is, you know, as we have spoken in the past, uh, I, I have in the last year and a half spent a great deal of time taking the prophecies from uh, cultures all over the world, that you know, contemporary cultures as yes. well as ancient cultures, my yes. own people, etc. And uh, the prophecies all suggest that something is occurring. The Hale-Bopp Comet is most certainly one of the most uh, significant factors in the prophecies coming to, to uh, fruition. But one of the things that occurred in the uh, research of the Templar Knights and the existence of the lineage of uh, Jesus, who you know is obviously called the Christ, what had happened was that we discovered that there was, in fact, a family not descended from Jesus, but whom Jesus was descended from. In other words, he was a member of this family. And this family could be traced back into ancient Egypt and forward into contemporary times. And this family married into the uh, more powerful houses in Europe. Mm. They had uh, established uh, essentially Montreal in Canada. And that not mm. only were was this family still alive and well, it was still manipulating events to the point well i tell you robert i think you need to dig a deeper hole <laughs> well i'll tell you <laughs> what what happened art with the greatest of respect for everyone out there and this is why i'm convinced that it wasn't an accident yeah we have 
Um, and, and again, I, I direct people to Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Messianic Legacy, uh, Grail Across the Atlantic, several other authors who have come to the same conclusion and who in the course of their research have found that they are being manipulated. I mean, the, the question that they keep asking themselves is, why am I getting this information? Why is this family mm-hmm. essentially trying to, to present documented genealogy of the existence of offspring of Jesus? In essence, what happened to me, and, and here's where I'm sure we're going to lose the world, lose the planet. I hope the planet thinks I am so crazy that they'll leave me alone. But essentially what occurred was that the this particular family is manipulating a second coming. In other words, the return of a descendant of Jesus. And who better to head up the planet in the unification and bringing all the world's religions together and bringing the people together than a descendant of Jesus of whom nobody, nobody can say anything about. If if I were to criticize or you were to criticize this family and this is the family descendant of Jesus, you're, you're going to be very quickly labeled the Antichrist, blasphemous mm-hmm. and sacrilegious isn't enough. But what occurred was I am sitting here spending a year and a half showing that prophecies are coming true, that in fact all of these things that are about to happen when you look at it in context with the return of a descendant of Jesus, suddenly the world opens up to an entirely new scenario. The prophecies that I have been supporting and talking about for a year and a half support the return of a descendant of Jesus. Now, that's I would think that the world would welcome me with open arms and, my goodness, you know, here's the return of hale Bob, the signs are in the skies, the Hopi prophecies, the Aborigine prophecies, Samaria, Egypt, etc. Suddenly, what I am doing is I am saying, yes, the prophecies are being fulfilled. Yes, a descendant of the divinity is about to arrive. Arrive. All right. Um, let's talk for a second about hale Bob and, and what sort of harbinger that is. hale Bob will be closest to us, most visible... In fact, maybe even covering, I'm told, a quarter of the sky by, I think, next March or April. Is that, isn't that that about right? Yes, my understanding is April the 1st of uh, 1997. It'll be in its uh, uh, brightest and most uh, dramatic uh, point. And my, my understanding is that the estimation is from one-third to one-half of the sky that it will cover. And it should oh, yeah, I've heard that show. much. That's right. I've yeah. heard that much, too. Yeah. It's going yeah. to be a magnificent event. Mm-hmm. It, what do you believe it to be? What is Hale Bob? Is Hale Bob, I've heard it called the Blue Kachina, is it? Um, I, uh, yes, I, I'm the one who originally started calling uh, a, an old, old Kachina figure the Blue Star. Uh, it's known as Nangasuhu, and it's in, in according to Hopi prophecy. And again, I've got to go on record, uh, and please excuse me, but I've got to tell people out there I am not a Hopi elder. I'm not a spokesperson for anyone other than myself. Um, Okay, having said that, I've got to stop you right there, because one of the messages that I've received from many people, and I'm going to ask you about it, Robert, um, is, and you can just shut your mouth or tell me you can't talk about it, but it's being said everywhere that you are in possession of the final four Hopi prophecies. I'm sorry, let's not put me under the gun here. I'm told that now. I'm going to start by denying emphatically that that is the case. On the other hand, I am sure that that anyone who is familiar with any of the the ancient cultures and the and the primitive societies, whatever that is, I'm I'm really proud of the word primitive. 
anybody who holds prophecy yeah. um, is, is not about to declare to beings outside of their own culture that they're the holders of prophecy. I mean, All right, so in other words, if you had it, which you officially deny, you're I, telling I us if it. you had Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Mm -hmm. If you had it, you wouldn't tell us. That scenario is true. If I did, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I would be putting myself on the line, and I, you know, I'd be asking for another argument with another bigger vehicle, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I can. I can. That okay. there, not going to do that again. All right. I can. Yeah, I can read between the lines anyway, and so can everybody who's listening. Um, so let's return for a second to Hale Bob. Hale Bob is going to be a major event. It's going to, the entire world is going to look to the sky and see something quite amazing in about a year, less than a year now. And what do you believe it is? What is the blue kachina? What does it mean? What's, what's, right. what is it the harbinger of, uh, Robert? In Hopi prophecy, um, there is, there are, are numerous stories and legends about the end of the fourth world. We, we are considered to be in the fourth time, the fourth world now. And that is coming to a close. And there are prophecies that suggest that at the end of the fourth world, one of the first signs in the skies will be a figure that is known as Nangasahu, a kachina, a, a spirit, who will be recognized because he has an extraordinarily long tail of feathers that he wears around his head, and he has a, a bright blue face with a black four-arm star immediately on the face. Um, this is a very mysterious star spirit. Um, most elders who know don't even talk about him. But the first sign that the fourth world is about to end is that this spirit will appear in the sky. But what makes it distinctive is that it has a tail that, according to prophecy, stretches one half of the sky in length mm. at night. Now, obviously, Hale Bop is, is fulfilling this. Um, there, there are several other little small details in the myths and legends that suggest that the blue star Kachina uh, Bop is returning. Um, there's another myth, another legend, and, and I'm really doing it a disservice by calling it a myth or a legend, but most uh, civilized people are happy for me to label it that, but a legend suggests that there will be uh, at the end times a return of another spirit known as Bahana. The, the, there are some Hopi elders who have interpreted it to mean the great white brother and have attributed uh, the identity of Bahana to be some member of the Anglo race who will assist the uh, the Hopis in achieving their rightful place and bring mm. peace and, and happiness to, to the Hopi people, etc. But in fact, the, the linguistic, uh, the literal linguistic definition of Bahana is great white companion, not brother. And so what we have suggested in, in our book Prophecy is that there will be a second comet which will appear seven years after Hale Bop and that this one is going to be much larger. It's going to be white where the blue star will obviously have some sort of a blue aura to it. And at that time, when this comet appears, the second one, is when the fourth world as we know will end. Now that does not mean death, doom, destruction, etc. It simply means that things are going to change dramatically. Hmm. I would not be surprised if, in fact, it meant the end of several institutions and governments and even countries. However, it, this is not a, a forecast of gloom and doom. It is a forecast 
of change. Well, that, again, I think we've had this discussion before. Mm -hmm. It depends on how you look at it, and I understand that you look at it, and many others do, actually in a very hopeful, positive way yes. with regard to change. Yes. But uh, as I told you then and I tell you now, there are millions of people who will not make it to the other side of this uh, enlightening change. And so there are many ways for many people to look at what this prophecy seems to suggest uh, it will, will bring upon the world. Uh, hold on, Robert. We'll be right back to you, my guest is a Native American named Robert Morning Sky. Stay right there. Uh, back to it we go. Uh, one quick fax, and this is probably right on the mark, um, are very interesting, and I suggest that Mr. Morning Sky is well-founded in his desire to stay out of the public eye. The Knights Templar are still alive today, but more importantly is the Priory of Sion. This secret organization, which I've never heard of, has been around since the 12th century. The current Grand Master is, and he gives a name I won't hear, these people are extremely powerful and indeed are hiding something very, very important. I know a little bit about it, and I hope Robert is very careful. Dave from Redwood City sounds like good advice, uh, Robert. Well, this gentleman has hit it uh, right on the head. Um, mm -hmm. I was not aware of how alive uh, they are today and how powerful they are until, as I said, I received this information mm -hmm. and uh, sent it back to France, only to be uh, treated, uh, as I said, to an argument with an automobile. So this gentleman is extraordinarily perceptive. My feelings are mirrored exactly in what he says. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, I, I have to uh, thank the uh, gentleman, the pastor who wrote that first letter, because one of the things that I have always marveled about in, in our lecture tour is that the practice of uh, uh, Christian temperance is relatively rare. And for the gentleman to disagree with me and, and yet not attempt to crucify me, I, I got to go out of my way to thank him very, very much because I would like to think he's the rule. Unfortunately, that is not the case. But both of the, the, these uh, gentlemen who submitted faxes, thank you very much. I I, I thank you for uh, tolerating me and for also understanding why it's necessary. Obviously, we have not gotten in depth into the Knights Templar and, and uh, uh, how amazingly powerful they are, but uh, I'm sure that uh, Dave, this last gentleman, thank you very much. He's absolutely correct. That's precisely how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Um, I, I want to just be general for a second, then we're going to open the phone lines, and I suspect the crucifixion will begin. We'll see. Um, as you know, uh, Robert, I'm just an observer, talk show host. I hear many people of many faiths and beliefs, and all of them seem to suggest the same thing coming. Uh, I call it the quickening, doesn't matter what you call it. Events are certainly quickening, accelerating, something, we're, you know, we're headed toward a change. Whether it's Robert Morning Sky or Scallion or... Um, uh, Graham Hancock or, you know, I really could go on with a list that's nearly endless. Everybody from different directions is saying roughly the same thing. There's a big change coming and it's not very far down the road. You agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd even go so far as to stick my neck out and put a date on it. Seven years from uh, April 1st, 97. Absolutely. 
You know, like you need your neck any further out than it is. You know, I got one, somebody who uh, came over this afternoon asked, are you really going to do this? And I said, you know, if, if there's any form where I'm going to get a fair chance, it's with Art Bell. And so if uh, perhaps what I can do is portray myself as so far out that it's not worth listening to me, save for the handful of, you know, truly dedicated researchers and people who want to know, mm-hmm. maybe that's what I need to do is, is to, you know, really sound like I'm so far out that they'll leave me alone. Um, and I'm, perhaps I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, but the one thing that I, I, I want to do in, in the, the, the remaining time that I have with my research is, is to simply present the material um, and let people take a look at it and let them decide for themselves. I, I have no problems with anyone who examines it and rejects it or sets it aside. I obviously have a problem when people won't even look at it or label it before they even examine it. All, all I hope to do is, is to present uh, some material and then let the world uh, run with it from there. I, I frankly am extremely uh, proud of the response we've had from the public, as I said in, in the letter that you uh, read. Uh, I think the general public is a lot smarter than our world leaders and supposed uh, messiahs would have us believe. I mean, we are much smarter than that. All right. Uh, stay good and close to the phone, Robert. We're going to um, we're going to take a few calls here, and uh, they are unscreened calls. Let's see what we get. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with Robert. Morning, Sky. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. You're on the air. Where are you? I'm in a place called Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup, Washington. Yes, all right. How are you doing? Fine. Uh, I just want to say I've tuned in just recently, and uh, I've just received a, a new book from, uh, let's say, uh, the Book of Mormon, and this sounds awful familiar, and I've got to agree with the guy. I've got to research it more. All right, well, you've got your radio on, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. I can step into another room here. Uh, that's quite all right. We'll just take that as a general agreement, and thank you for the call. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hello. Uh, Robert is a friend of a friend of mine. All right, where are you? I am calling from Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, all right. And I just wanted to tell you, I used to lecture at the United Nations on the Knights Templars. And when I was there last in 1989, there was another young man lecturing on the Knights Templars along with me. Uh, he went back to Arizona, where he is from, and was immediately threatened by a government man. He was told that if he said any more on the Knights Templars, something bad might happen to him. Mm-hmm. And so he took the threat quite seriously and gave up the research. I am... I, I, I take it, ma'am, then, that you feel with what Robert Morning Sky has done, the papers he has, the uh, belief system he's embraced, he is in danger. Uh, I believe that there are people around who do not want the truth about the Templars to come out. Uh, from, from the research that I have done, uh, what I have discovered is most of the information that is put out about the Templars has been put out about the uh, has been put out by the mortal enemies of the Templars throughout the century. Mm-hmm. And therefore, most of what is written in the books is wrong. Uh, I've also discovered that there are several false orders of Knights Templars. And the real Templars are so deeply hidden that, uh, you know, that nobody can find them. Uh, one of the things that I discovered in my work was that the head 
was not ahead of a male, but it was ahead of a female. Hmm. I thought that it was the head of the goddess. However, I think Robert is right. I think it is the head of Mary Magdalene. And, uh, Robert, you know my friend Charmaine, and so as soon as uh, I get off the air, I'm going to give her a call and ask for your telephone number so I can call you tomorrow because there's a lot of things that we need to discuss. Uh, about two years ago, uh, because, of, because of my sincere research into the Knight Templars, I was allowed to attend one of the meetings. And I would like to tell Robert some of the things that I discovered there. I would imagine that would help his research, Robert. Oh, listen, I appreciate uh, very much the offer and, and will continue with the research, even though, um, as I said, I'm not going in the public eye. But I have to add that the uh, idea that the head uh, Baphomet was of the goddess is still correct. Uh, in other words, let's, let's go ahead and put another nail in the coffin. I'm going to suggest that uh, Mary Magdalene, as well as the mother of Jesus, uh, both named Mary, that name is, in fact, a title of a priestess, of a goddess, uh, of a, a, the epiphany of the goddess. And so I, I do not disagree at all with what is being said. And I also want to add that, in fact, I absolutely agree that there are false Templar knights out there and that there seems to be a concerted effort to portray them in a very, very bad light. I'm not willing to do that. In fact, in my papers, I, I go out of my way to stress that there is a conspiracy to make them look uh, unlike what I, I believe they really are. On the other hand, you know, uh, which ones are the good guys, CIA or the KGB? Uh, which ones are the bad guys? I mean, there's just not a whole lot of difference. So any way you look at it, I, I suppose... You know, it's just not a topic that you're going to discuss in the public, but it is something that I think needs not only to, to be written about, but needs to be further researched. And so I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with all the statements you've made, and I really do look forward to, to talking to you. Thank all you. right, uh, then by all means, ma'am, give him a call. I certainly will, Robert. All Thank right. you. Take care. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hello? Oh, Robert Ghostwolf. <laughs> Robert Morningstein. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Go ahead, sir. This is it. You're on the air. I am on the air now? You are on the air now. Okay. Uh, my question is, uh, I heard Robert Morningstein talk about that Jesus didn't die on the cross. That's what he said. Well, then how, how would my sins be uh, forgiven? All right, that, that's fair enough. Straight out question. Okay, I, with with the greatest of respect, sir, I am not a, a holy man. I'm not an elder. I'm not anyone who is in a position to be able to answer a spiritual question for you. All I can do is, as an average man, say, this is what research shows. Could the research be wrong? Yes, but I think if there are a multitude of sources that that say the same thing and it's something we need to consider. The question of, of uh, sin and forgiveness has to do with, with one's own faith and one belief, one's belief, and, and I must say that I prefer to have you know something that is very, very hardcore, real in front of me, and so I do not want to challenge this gentleman's faith or in any way destroy you know whatever uh, belief system he might have. All I can say is that this is what 
you know, the research shows, and again, I am not alone in this. There are several noted authors who, who have come to the same conclusion with the same information. And if he... All right, what I want to understand about you, Robert, mm -hmm. is um, I have all my life done a lot of research uh, with respect to religion. I have been in and out of many of them mm -hmm. in search of. I still am. And I understand that you have done research into this. What I don't understand is how you have come to embrace this as you seem to have, as an article of faith. In other words, you seem to have moved from the researcher, the guy who takes the papers and begins doing the reading and looking into all of this. You move from that across the line to faith. Uh, how, did, how did I do that, sir? Well, I mean, your, your very words have told me that, that you embrace um, what it is that you are telling us uh, you have researched, that you believe it, in other words. And that is, uh, that's, I guess, a faith, isn't it? Or am I, not, am I wrong? I'm not sure that I, uh, that I understand what I'm expressing as my faith. Uh, well, I, I think you are. In other words, well, let me try again. Uh -huh. In other words, you have described to us uh, basically the contents of the papers and the further research you have done regarding the lineage yeah. of, of Christ, of yeah. Mary. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds to me, and you stop me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me as though this is now not just what you are researching, as a scientist uh, would research something, but something that you now believe is true. You mean the existence of Jesus and Mary, etc.? The, their their lineage, as you have described it, that the that Jesus did not die on the cross. That's correct. You you now believe this as an article of faith. Is that is that an unfair statement? Um, with due respect, yes, I I believe it is. Uh, oh, it is unfair. I I think so because I I suppose the the question then is very philosophical. If if you um. Uh, <sighs> If you drink some water, you know, did you drink it? Is it water? Is it real? Uh, I have faith that it's water and it's going to be healthy for me. All, all I'm trying to say is that our research, my research, has shown this evidence. Now, whether one chooses to accept it or reject it, you well, know... Well, that's up to the audience, but I'm, I'm, I'm not asking about the audience. Okay. I'm, ask, I'm asking you. Do I believe Jesus did not die on the cross? That's, yes. right, that's right. Yes, that's correct. But I don't accept that. I mean, I don't. I don't see that as a, a faith. Uh, I suppose it may be an exercise in semantics, but I do not believe that he died on the cross. That's correct. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I just wanted to be clear. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Robert uh, Morning Sky. Hi. Yes. This is. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't give my last name. No, please don't. What is your first name? Francis. And where are you, Francis? Sacramento, California. All right. Go ahead. Uh. Robert Mornish guy, I did receive your letter. Thank you. Um, I also would like to know, is there any way of getting, are you planning on putting any of these books on tape? Um, I, I would very much like to put all the uh, information that we have. Uh, the original Terra Papers documents is over 1,500 pages. And obviously, to print something like that gets to be quite monumental in mm. cost. Mm. Uh, we have uh, literally thousands of pages of, of research, which, uh, assuming we can find the wherewithal to uh, produce the tapes or the printing or uh, even the video, you know, perhaps the video version of it, 
Uh, I would like to, yes, but uh, at the moment, you know, it's, it's about recuperation and basically staying out of the limelight. And uh, yeah, she was staying way out. I I think that'd be a good idea. She she was uh she was talking about on tape. Um, I I think that's probably very plausible to to sit and and to narrate uh, or read from the papers. What we have um, is very plausible. Um, I I think it's. It's very likely, assuming again that once we get past the medical bills and uh, these other things, that we can do yep. that. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with uh, Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hi. This is Cheryl from Tacoma. Hello, Cheryl. Yeah, I love your show. I've been listening to you for a couple of years, and I went and saw Robert Morning Sky on um, just the first night when he was in Tacoma. Yes. With the group, and I really enjoyed it. I got kind of shy and took off real quick afterwards because. It was terribly interesting, and I did a lot of reading of Zachariah Sitchin's books, and really enjoy your show, and really enjoy learning. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll just take that as a thank you, and uh, there you are. Wildcard Line, uh, you are on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hi. Hello. Hello. Uh, calling from California. Yes, sir. Uh, name is Richard. Yes. Uh, Mr. Morning Star, is it possible? Morning Sky. Morning Sky. <laughs> Morning Sky. Uh, is it possible that um, these royal bloodlines birth, which uh, apparently they believe they are, since they're descendants of Jesus, uh, have fabricated this um, um, this genealogy? I believe that's the case. Yes. Uh huh. Um, and um, and again, uh, I, I want to make sure that that my expression that it is my opinion, belief, is an exercise in faith. I. We have, or I, I have documentation which has led me to this conclusion. Uh, I, uh, I have uh, uh, two other things. Okay. I also believe that there are people on Earth that believe that they are the royal descendants of Christ yes. uh, with the union with Mary Magdalene. However, I don't believe it's accurate. I believe that it's a scam in order to uh, enslave the world because they believe they are destined to rule through royal bloodlines. You know, it's funny because the uh, paper which uh, was the result of, of uh, this new information, was a, it was a, a somewhat over 40 pages that I sent back to the gentleman in Europe in the hope that they would print it there. I was very concerned about printing it in the United States. <laughs> what I, I had actually entitled the paper, The Second Coming Conspiracy, and in fact I outlined uh, with uh, documentation essentially what you are saying. I believe that the genealogy is fake. I believe it is a conspiracy to plant uh, a supposed descendant mm -hmm. on the throne in an effort to uh, either create what might be called the One World Order, or I believe it is a power play. I absolutely agree. Um, All right, listen to you, too. I, I, I've got to hold you right there. Uh, frankly, I can't remember his name, but the fellow the Ayatollah gave the death sentence to in a lot of ways is probably safer right now than Robert Morning Sky, and he is my guest. It is a very unusual topic, and we're not done with it. So everybody stay right where you are, and we will be right back. This is CBC. Well, the faxes I'm receiving range from blasphemy, of course, to things like, Go, Robert! Art, one question. How does Robert Morning Sky currently earn a living to support himself and his family? We'll ask that in a second. Another one, dear Art. Mr. Morning Sky is right on the money. Thanks for having him on. Uh, and suggest I read books on the subject and so forth. I know very little about the Templar Knights, uh, more tonight than I guess I've ever heard. Um, I think that if there were a modern Inquisition, uh, Robert, 
uh, we would now be speaking with you as you were laid out on a table, probably with ropes on your arms and your legs, and we'd be able to hear the guy turning the little thing that would tighten it up, stretching you yet another inch or two every time you open your mouth. I, I don't entirely disagree. I'm surprised. I'm surprised <laughs> <laughs> at what has occurred and what has transpired, but um, I'm... So, know, it's, so am I. It's, it's, it's <laughs> very... I am so very, very proud of the research that we have produced and then to go, and I, I have to thank you again very much for the opportunity to talk with you, um, but then to have uh, the faxes and uh, the kind of uh, response that you're getting, which are basically saying they agree, see, I, I believe that confirms what I'm trying to say. I believe that we average everyday grunt human beings, I'm not trying to be derogatory here, but those of us who work and are trying to strive for, you know, an honest existence and searching for your evolution, we're being lied to. We're being manipulated and deceived, and uh, the powers that be um, really don't want the truth to come out. And so I, I think your response, or excuse me, the response to the facts that you're getting is the very, very thing that encouraged me in the beginning to, to do this, and that I think the average listener knows that what's going on out there, what is portrayed as the truth, is not. That it, in fact, is what is blasphemous and sacrilegious. That is what denies man the ability to truly evolve. The, the gentleman, the first fact that you read just before the break, that suggests that uh, the Antichrist, what better candidate than a man who stands in front of the public with a documented genealogy that shows he is descended, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I absolutely agree, and I, I believe that is exactly not only what is happening, but what is going to happen. And all I can suggest to, to the listeners is beware of anybody who stands in front of you and says, I am the Messiah, the Savior, descended of this or that. Anyone who portrays himself at this time to be the leader, the Savior, mm -hmm. the, the chosen one, the anointed one, um, if anyone deserves the title Antichrist, or at least uh, I prefer the title anti-mankind. Mm -hmm. Those are the individuals who are out there, and unfortunately there are, there are far too many of them out there. All right, well, if I can draw any comfort from any of this, then it wouldn't be me. They're constantly calling me the Antichrist, so... Oh, I would wear that proudly, sir. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, one more question, then back to the phones. Uh, it is about your fellow Native Americans. I mean, you're 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 definitely outside the TP on this one, and uh, I wonder how other Native Americans that you have spoken with uh, react to your information. Well, I was I was extremely surprised, but uh, again, very very proud to just recently, just uh, two weeks before the, excuse me, after the accident occurred, I had been invited to attend uh, a gathering of elders based, uh, the premise of the conference was to uh, to talk about the star knowledge, about the wisdom of star beings, etc. Yes. And again, not being someone who has any official status or position, I don't have any titles, to be invited to, to address uh, the elders of Native America as well as the general public to be on the podium with people like Wallace, Black Elk, and several other very noted and respected elders, yes. you know, I found it quite an interesting uh, uh, paradox or, or contradiction because here I'm denied any status or position within my own tribe, and I'm not petitioning or asking for that. I, I can live quite well with, with that, uh, you know, faith. 
but to be then invited by other elders to stand with them and address us, I was very, very proud. What uh, Obviously, I, I was not able to attend the conference. I was very disappointed. But what I would say is that, by and large, those individuals, the elders who are holding the star knowledge, one of the things I have discovered after the fact is that they did not attend the conference, that they themselves have had some difficulties. In fact, one of the elders who did uh, speak at the conference, I was called just last week and was advised that he is missing. He oh, is I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. But again, Robert, this, uh, to concentrate on my question, mm -hmm. their reaction to your information. Off the record, when we are on the, uh, you know, the, the back country of the reservation or behind the scenes at the powwow, they're very supportive. On the record, in front of the public eye, in front of the uh, media, wouldn't um, touch it with a ten-foot pole. That's correct. Uh -huh, that's kind of what I. And I right. understand the position, and so right. I, I'm not offended by by their position. All right, all right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. This is Jay over in Henderson. Hi, Jay. This is more fascinating than usual. I hadn't thought about the Templars for years. And here I turn on the ever-fascinating heartfelt, and, and what is he talking about, the Templars? You never know what I'm going to be talking about. I never well, know. This is more fascinating than you realize, because everything I read, I'm pushing 70 now and hadn't thought about the Templars for many years, and this morning I think about it, as I said, I'm repeating myself. But it was general consensus, I was led to believe that the Order of Templars ended, died in Malta in about 1500. And here is your guest saying that they are alive and well, and for whatever purpose they are here, they're, they're here in the second half of the 20th century. Yep. And, and God bless us. I was always fascinated, but, but now I'm going to start again. Maybe there's some new research being done, some new... You're talking to the man who's doing it. Yeah. Other than that, I have no questions, and I will right. certainly try and... Has he been published? Uh, no, but that's coming. Uh, well, he has been published with uh, other works, yes, but with regard to this newest information, uh, that's a good question, uh, Robert. Uh, well, we, we have um, who's taken gonna... copies of the initial, again, it was, it was in a, a report form that we sent to Europe, and, and we have the original, and we have had several people, uh, other research and, uh, researchers, in fact, who have called us, and uh, if truly one wants to, to delve into what has got to be, I mean, the word controversial does not apply. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can produce a nice, easier-to-burn version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> complete with pictures and a bullseye on my forehead, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm laughing. I, I, I suppose, actually, I, I would like to find out from your listeners, and uh, we just recently sent uh, a mailer out to the individuals who are on our mailing list and said, okay, do, would you really like to know this? And it's... It's, I mean, what we have talked about tonight is not even the tip of the iceberg of, of the blasphemy sacrilege that, that we oh, get into, I, into I, the I papers. I'm sure. Um, and I, I will say that, yes, effectively, the, the knights were supposed to have been disbanded, supposed to have disappeared in, in the uh, 1400s. But, in fact, the evidence shows that the family behind the Templars, those who created and, and uh, benefited by their existence, that family is, is alive and well and, again, most obviously connected with the Priory de Sion, the one in France. Mm -hmm. And so, though the Templars per se may not exist, uh, in fact, the power behind them, the actual real-life human beings behind them, 
uh, are in existence, they are alive and well, and they are extraordinarily powerful. Okay, in, in America, we have the First Amendment, sort of, uh, Robert, but uh, I'll tell you, I wrote a little book about my life, very, uh, by comparison, believe me, very tame uh, to what you're uh, uh, contemplating. And I had one lady, a Christian lady, sent it back to me, said I can't have this kind of thing on my coffee table. Uh, it was fairly tame. Your book, uh, your book, uh, when it comes out uh, on this topic, um, <laughs> uh, if there is going to be a book banning uh, in America, this is going to be the one. So it's not going to be an easy publish. No, no, no. we know that, and and I cannot begin to tell you. I mean, this this last month uh, has been very you know agonizing for me, not only physically, but again, do we publish this? Do we do we tell the people what the research is? And I, and and I thank you for, you know, the question earlier about faith. For me, it's not an article of faith. It's a matter of, here's the information. Um, please let us not crucify the messenger. Let us, let me allow you simply to present to you the information and then you deal with it, uh, you know, as you wish. And, and certainly, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know the contents that are in here and my wife agonized about this uh, all month long. And, and because of the content, because of the, even the possibility that we would publish it, and the backlash that would come out of it, right. um, we, that's one of the reasons that motivated us to simply say, look, no more in the public eye. I have been very fortunate to be with you in the past, sir, and we've talked about sure. hip-hop and prophecies. Sure. And some of the phone calls that we've gotten there uh, were, were certainly, as, as you know, you described at one point, I had been scolded uh, both gently and, and harshly. Um, that, as you said, does not compare to what our research has found and, and I find this a, a mixed a mixed bag here it's a blessing and a curse because for me I have suddenly had several uh, historical problems uh, you know unlocked um, and it, it directly ties into what is happening today 1996 1997 what is occurring and um, I cannot tell you how difficult it is to be sitting on this material and not know whether I want to uh, uh, publish this or not. Mm, I understand. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Oh, hello, Robert. Good morning. Um, I am so glad that I finally got through the Art Bell show to you because you just seem to be on my whole mental wavelength of things that I myself have been doing and studying and researching. And we're, I also lived in Arizona, Robert, and I'm going back there. Um, I didn't hear the first part of the show too much, got the last half hour, because I uh, just got off of work. But, um, All right. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. All right. I, ha I, uh, I'm into archaeology. I have a two-fold question. All right. The first is, um, have you ever heard of Josephus, the historian, the Jewish historian that lived about the time of Christ? Yes, um, I, I know him as Josephus, yes. He's a contemporary and uh, uh, wrote a quite extensive history of the uh, Hebrews. He was actually uh, a general who had served with the Roman army, distinguished himself to the point where he was accorded honors, and then uh, in his retirement, uh, he began to detail quite extensively the, the history of the Hebrews at that time. And, and he was a contemporary of, um, of Jesus at that time, yeah. Don't you find it odd 
that there was little recount of anyone named Jesus in all his writings? Well, that's, that's one of the things that, that occurs in, in college when you get into religious studies. Josephus, who was a remarkable man and who recorded some of the most minute events, uh, transactions, uh, business dealings, who uh, was very, I mean, his, his published works go into the, the hundreds and hundreds of pages. Um, and being a contemporary of Jesus, one of the, the difficulties with, with uh, the scholars who are studying Josephus is that uh, there is essentially only one paragraph that has any mention of Jesus, and because of the, you know, the 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 way the letter flows, it is very obvious that somebody inserted that paragraph after the fact. And so um, you're correct. It, it's quite, I think, disconcerting for anyone who considers themselves to be a biblical scholar and a believer in in uh, Christianity that the most uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? He he published so much does not say anything about Jesus. That, that is a very disconcerting fact. Yeah. And, and let me also go on record as saying that uh, I have never suggested that Jesus was real uh, in, in the sense that it has been portrayed um, in you know, the general public eye. Um, I believe, uh, and I think most researchers will agree, that the myth of a figure named Jesus has been exaggerated and it has been contorted in order to serve, you know, the purposes of a faith, uh, which I, I really, I suppose I have challenged it, however. Yes, hold on here while we get out these sharper there instruments you go. here. <laughs> um, I, I am not persuaded that Jesus, the persona in the Bible, or excuse me, in the New Testament, um, existed. I do believe that there was an individual who uh, the Essenes referred to as the teacher of righteousness. I do believe there was a figure at that time. But one of the, the uh, difficulties with contemporary uh, scholars in their research is that they will often take a name as Mary or a name like uh, Yahshua or even Moses mm -hmm. and consider it to be, in fact, a name when, in fact, it's a title. It, it is uh, appropriate to a priestess or a priest or a teacher. And so I'm going to suggest that uh, Yahshua, or uh, uh, the figure that we call Jesus, that is, in fact, a title and not a name. It refers right. to a teacher. Robert, uh, we're about bottom of the hour, but I, I want to try this one out. I, if I had you on the rack right now, and I had a nice, sharp instrument. I was beginning to slice open your belly and expose your innards so that you might see them yourself. And uh, telling you, either you embrace Jesus now and renounce everything you have said that you believe you have discovered and apparently believe, or we're going to start pulling out the pieces here until you either decide or expire one of the two. Um... Would you be uh, would you be busily renouncing, or would you be uh, busily um, holding on till the till the very end? I I suggest that my response would be that Jesus, the teacher, was righteous. Christianity sucks. Okay, the intestines are coming out, and we are taking a break now. To Robert Morning Sky, two faxes of note here. Uh, the first one, Robert. Um, there are billions of people on the planet that could care less about Christ or Moses, or for that matter, our Bible. Can we please put religion aside for the moment? Ask Robert specifically, 
what his research indicates about our origins, who we really are, where we're going. Let's give God a rest for a moment and try to gain some knowledge. That's Mark listening to... Uh, Mark in Palm Springs, I guess. Uh, what would you say to that? Um, it's a very good question, and it's actually the question that began my career and my research years and years ago, and I think most people are plagued by that same question. Um, mankind's origins uh, are essentially, whether one calls them uh, divine, star beings, extraterrestrials, or, or whatever the case might be, um, our research, as well as, again, other noted researchers, Graham Hancock and Balvel and several others, uh, Zachary Sitchin, not to, you know... The... I had Graham on last night. Oh, he's a fantastic man. I really admire his work. Uh, but essentially what, what uh, the evidence is uh, continuing to suggest that somewhere in mankind's evolution, uh, it was tampered with by beings from, uh, again, whether one calls them the, the heavens, the stars, whatever one chooses. And uh, I... I absolutely agree with the premise that uh, our research uh, up until la less than those two months ago was all headed in that direction to try to uh, portray this, this very same story, to try to document this story. Um, I simply could not foresee that in trying to uh, bring it into contemporary times so that we could address you know, whether or not mankind has been tampered with in the past, how does that reflect on our present day situation. I could not foresee that that would lead us to the Templar Knights. And, mm -hmm. and again, just as a teaser, the Templar Knights do draw, uh, and the family behind them do draw their origins from uh, a divine essence in the stars. So, I mean, the link is there. Um, hey, yeah, so there is not, in your mind, conflict with uh, all the, your years of research. Not at all. Quite prophecy, the and, and, and you find this fits uh, actually right in. Oh, absolutely. All the, right. The, the hidden history of the Templars fits right in with the hidden history of planet Earth that we've been talking about for years now. All right. Well, I've been giving you some hard stuff. Here's an easy one from Joanne, KSD, St. Louis. Does Robert Morningsky have any books, tapes, or info that we can receive? If so, how about a contact number? I, I would love to be able to if I can. Yes, certainly. Yes, um, you can. We have uh, some people in an office who will be taking care of the calls. Uh, we do have a new number. A lot of people who have reached in the past uh, have the old number, but our new number, which is the phone and fax, there's an automatic switch to accept either. It's area code 602-404-8055. Five zero. Give it again. Six zero two. Area code six zero two four zero four. Right. Eight zero five zero. Have you yet uh, produced uh, a uh, morning sky effigy that people um, <laughs> could possibly order and burn? Um, I suppose that's going to be very big. I might, might be a hot seller. To me, but maybe that's not a bad idea. Might I mean, be a hot seller, Robert. Uh, I mean, that might be one way that my family and I can uh, survive the you know the next few years. <laughs> Obviously, my career in the public eye being gone, I can't perform there uh, as a Native American with my theater troupe. I can't uh, be a lecturer on the circuit, and so we do need to find a new venue. And so maybe that's that's not a bad idea. My uh -huh. effigy. That's not bad. Sure, you know, a full-size thing that would really produce, say, a six-foot flame when you got it going. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Oh, uh, hello. Patrick, no, sorry. No, I, I, That's the last name. Yeah. Patrick in Portland, Oregon. Um, yeah, this is a very interesting topic. It's kind of uh, synchronous for me. I was just reading about the Templars last night for the first time in really? quite a while. In an, in, uh, just sure. an encyclopedia with a best friend of mine. I, before that, the only thing I had read about them was... Um, 
just reading uh, Umberto Eco's novel, Foucault's Pendulum. Um, so I just have a, a question for Mr. Morning Sky, emphatically not for art. Um, it's about the relationship between uh, the Templars and Freemasonry. Uh, if there is one. Um, well, you know I can't comment on that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know you can't. Um, that's but why it's but Robert can. And yes, I already asked him. He said there is a connection. Uh, you want to expand on it, Robert? Um, only in that the uh, power behind the Templars is the same power that we find behind the Freemasons. Um, what, what is most clever and most devious about uh, this family, uh, here we go, more coffin, more nails in the coffin, mm -hmm. is that these organizations like the Freemasons, uh, the Templar Knights, and other uh, societies, secret societies of note, including the Illuminati, uh, they're the front. The, this uh, secret family has been manipulating them again, and uh, the documentation shows for thousands of years, and so the link between the Freemasons and the Templar appears to be through the uh, family that manipulates or utilizes, I should say, the, the two of them. Mm-hmm. Soon it's going to be hard to get more nails in. <laughs> well, perhaps, you know, I can be labeled so insane that they'll leave me alone. Maybe that's what uh, I'm... Well, you're going to have to sound uh, vocally a little crazier to achieve that, Robert. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I have a comment and a question. All right, where are you? Uh, I'm in Chico. Chico. California, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I just got done reading a book called The Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion. Now, a lot of stuff in that book um, agrees with what your guest is saying. For example, that the Antichrist will show up. Actually, they're not. it's not called an Antichrist. It's called the Messiah. Okay? And he's supposedly from the lineage of David, uh, King David. Uh, has your guest read the book? Does he have a comment on the book? All right, I want everybody to note before Robert uh, responds that the hum that you hear is typical of a portable phone that is lousy. Okay, that's a Sony. Actually, it's an expensive Sony that I have. Uh, my comment stands, sir. Okay. So, sorry. <laughs> everybody can hear it, not just me. Uh, well, by, by the way, by the way, um, uh, another point is um, Muslims believe that there will be an Antichrist in the near in the near future, okay. This was predicted 1,416 years ago, and I'm a Muslim. We believe that a, a physical description that nobody uh, nobody else has is that he will be one-eyed in his right eye, okay, and that he will lead the Jews as the Messiah. And we also believe, believe it or not, that Jesus, the true Jesus, son of Mary, will come down and kill him. And we, as well as Mr. Morningstar, believe that he was not crucified on the cross. But we and we do revere him as a as a prophet, him and his mother, and we believe in his virgin birth. Okay, a lot of people don't know this stuff. All right, okay. let's let him respond. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, right, go ahead, Robert. Um, in in response to the to, to the last comments about the Muslim religion and some of the uh, basic tenets that he's proposing, I am familiar with them and uh, agree with them, not from a religious connotation, but again from the research. In going back to the question on the uh, protocols of Zion. Uh, I am familiar with the writings. Um, my research, and again, not wanting to, oh, right, listen to me, not wanting to upset anyone. My, <laughs> my research does not uh, show that the protocols are are, are true. They're, they're not real. They seem to have been fabricated in a deliberate effort to discredit uh, the, the uh, Jewish people. And so... Um, I'm familiar with them. 
I think that there may be some things in there that are that are accurate. I'll, however, I, I find in general they seem to be inflammatory. Listen to me again, but um, I, I don't I don't support these protocols as being an accurate and a true document. On the other hand, as I said, there there may be a couple of things in there that that seem to be quite accurate. Mm -hmm. Your career, as you have known it, is over. Isn't I know it? that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Great. Uh, Art, I really appreciate your show. This one is a, oh, well, I don't know what it is, but it's really something. Yeah, uh, it is. Mr. Morning Sky, I'm, I'm a, a Christian man. Uh, this is Joe in Conroe, Texas, by the way. Yes, sir. And, uh, I, uh, am, am trying, uh, very valiantly to practice Christian tolerance here of your, your views and your research. <laughs> And I would have to say that even though I know you said it in the context of what your reply would be if you were asked to renounce your belief under torture. I believe I, I, believe I was uh, extracting his in, intestines. Right, right, yeah. right, and that would probably, uh, I'm sure that would elicit a, a more uh, emotional response than, than would probably be normal, but. Just a higher octave. <laughs> it would be, it would be, uh, easier for us to be tolerant. If you didn't have to say things like Christianity sucks. Well, that would be at a very extreme moment of stress. Well, that, that's why I preceded that with the statement that I made. Mm -hmm. The other thing that, I, that I'd like to say, maybe it's just a, uh, my misunderstanding, but I'm unclear as to exactly what this ancient uh, family that you continue to refer to as the family actually is, uh, according to your belief and your uh, your research, Right. In a nutshell, that family, which believes it is descendant from Christ, but, uh, then, but then he also said that that he thought that that was not true, that that it was a fake, and just that's that, right. That is true. You did say that, right, yes, Robert? Yes, that's correct. And um, the, the 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 immediate answer to that is that this family is using the uh, a very dramatic statement: "We are descended of Jesus." as the uh, foundation of its credibility and the power base that it is trying to create. In fact... In other, is, in other words, they are using the, what you call the myth, right? That's correct. That's absolutely correct. But the evidence suggests that they have been here for much longer, that Jesus was descended of this family, but they have turned and reversed it. They put the cart before the, the horse, and they're saying that this myth and legend is what gives us credibility when, in fact, they have existed for far longer than that. So the gentleman is exactly correct, and that's the statement that I'm making. I also must say that, again, under the extreme circumstances that, that a very good friend, Art Bell, suggested, um, I would respond in a very dramatic fashion. I do wish to, if it is deemed necessary, I do wish to apologize for that statement because as it stands, you know, by itself, I'm sure that that's going to disturb many, but Sure. Well, I, I put you on the rack. I mean, everybody yeah. should know. I said if I were slitting your side and opening your belly and telling you to embrace Christ as Christians believe Christ to be, or, you know, we're going to yank out your intestines, that mm -hmm. was the context of your very controversial remarks. <laughs> well, well, please please understand, I, I am a Christian man. I remain so even after uh, night after night of listening to, to Art Bell, uh, having people on to, you know, to convince me that we... We probably descended from uh, the star creatures, and that uh, the area that I live in is soon probably going to to all be underwater. And you know, there's just a whole lot of really terrible things that that uh, that could just knock my face. Uh, 
all the hell, so to speak. But uh, I'm still kind of hanging on to it. And I do find the things that you're saying very, very interesting, especially the the way that uh, that you seem to be able to tie it into to so many of the other prophecies and uh, and various religions. And, well, uh, and who knows, uh, you know, what I believe may be completely wrong. I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, comments, Robert? Uh, I have to thank the gentleman again. I, I as, as you at the very beginning of the program, I was very concerned that they were going to crucify me, but the response has been very, very... Uh, Show's uh, not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But thank this gentleman very, very much. I don't want to take his faith away again. All I want to do is to present the information and, and let the uh, public decide, uh, you know, what they want to do with it. So thank him very much. Mm -hmm. I, I am, I, Robert, I am shocked actually shocked and surprised at the phone response, the fax response so far. I'm really shocked. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Uh, yes, I'd like to ask uh, Robert Morning Sky if he's referring to the Mabrogian dynasty of France and if Jesus was supposedly not crucified on the cross, escaped and went to France and the dynasty was from Charlemagne on and does that have something to do with it? Sounds about right. Is Holy that Blood, it? Holy Grail? Uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail has a lot of the very, very same information that we have been working with for a long time. Um, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not going to put myself in any greater danger than to identify what other authors have identified as a family known as the Merovinians. Uh, as the, the only possible uh, problem I may have with what you said is that apparently Jesus did not go to France uh, that he fled to India. There is a, a remarkable author from Australia, Barbara Thiering, who has done work on the Dead Sea Scrolls, and she, in fact, uh, found evidence in Dead Sea Scrolls that are generally not released or translated. Uh, evidence in the scrolls suggests that Jesus and Mary did not have a good relationship at the end, that she was very concerned for his safety, understandably so, and her family, and that... Um, there was a Passover plot, and he fled to India. She left to uh, France with her family, and at the Merovingians, the secret family, as as I um, portray them, um, were descended from Mary and her offspring. And Holy Blood, Holy Grail, I think, is a must-read for anybody. And if anyone follows that book, then perhaps the uh, the target on my forehead will get a little bit smaller, and France will look to Europe <laughs> and some other authors. Yeah, but in the meantime, if Salman Rushdie is out there, he, he could probably sublet you a, some <laughs> space for a while here. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. All right, how in the world are you? Well, um, you're listening. <laughs> this is Ken from Arkansas. Yes, Ken. I've been listening to this, and... Uh, I'd like to ask him just a few quick questions and maybe gain a different perspective here. Okay. The first one is, uh, let me ask you, Robert, um, do you believe that Caesar crossed the Rubicon? Do you believe that Alexander the Great uh, conquered most of the known world? Do I believe that? Yeah. Well, you know, again, it comes down to the question of, uh, you know, George Washington was the first president. Do I believe that? There are records and documentation to show that. Perhaps the better way to put it is that I accept that because it is, you know, a matter of record. On the other hand, I'm the first to say that historical records can be altered. So based on the fact that there appear to be historical records to support what you have suggested, yes. I am not, however, again, saying that perhaps they were fabricated and they may be false. Well, the thing to be said of your research then, right? Oh, absolutely. That's uh, precisely the case. I, as I said, all I want to do is to present the uh, research, let people 
uh, take a look at what I'm saying. And if they choose to reject it or set it aside, I have absolutely no problems with that at all. The only problem I have is uh, being shut and having the door shut down or, or being asked to leave before I even get a chance to speak. And that, I think, goes contrary to what the whole premise of this country and, and religion is about. So you're absolutely correct. I could be absolutely wrong. Could be. Well, the thing is, is, if you do believe that Caesar existed, Alexander, all the ancient uh, manuscripts point to that fact, well, there's a mountain of evidence that points that Jesus actually did exist and he actually did die. In fact, uh, there's writings to prove that as far as Pilate and uh, uh, Herod writing each other about that. There's two manuscripts that verify that, one from the 6th, 7th century, and uh, and the other one is uh, in France, if you're familiar with those writings. Also, I, am. Uh, I, I could go through an entire list here of, uh, Clement, uh, uh, Tralian, uh, in addition to the scripture, there's a mountain of evidence about Jesus. In addition, All right, I, you know, I, I think that's a, a well-made point. In other words, uh, Robert, uh, to embrace as fact what you apparently now do, and I'll, I'll say that, mm -hmm. embrace as fact, mm -hmm. uh, it requires you to deny a very great deal of written history. Uh, now, it, it requires you to say, you believe, you, you must say, you believe it is false. I that it has it been falsified. Yeah. That uh, there has been an intentional, incredible, cosmic misleading of mankind since, since, um, since long before any of us can recall or any of our many ancestors. In other words, for so much time, mankind has been so misled, so um, lied to. That, that's absolutely correct. I do believe, as you know, the opening statement in the very first book that I uh, that I put out that suggested we've been de deceived, misled all along. Um, and certainly, for every book that one finds that supports one concept, you can find one that suggests that it is false. I understand mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. and that's why all, all I can suggest. To excuse me, to the gentleman and to your listeners is, um, let us just simply put all of that out on the table yes. and allow the public to read, to pick and choose whatever is out there, and then allow them to decide. I suggest that that is what free will and, and uh, destiny is about. And so I, I will be the first one in public to say, accept nothing that I say, believe none of it, Simply read it, and then you entertain it, and then you make a decision. But the gentleman is correct. I may be wrong, but then again, we must say he might be wrong, too. All right. Uh, let's do one more hour. This is something. Stay where you are. Robert Morning Sky is my guest. He'll be back now to Robert uh, Ghostwolf. Um, Robert, I. it's a funny thing. I, I, I started out the show this morning uh, not exactly knowing the direction that we were going. was kind of shocked when I figured out the direction that we were obviously going, and now I'm intrigued by the response, uh, by what you're saying, the way you've said it, by the fact that you've got your neck out 100 miles, by the fact that you have effectively ended your career as you have known it, changed your life, may end up being the modern-day Salman Rushdie here in America, and uh, it's a tough, it's a rough, tough position to be in, and... Um, while I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, I am 
intrigued by it, Robert, and I'm surprised at the guts that you've got, not the ones we've spread on the table here, <laughs> the ones to come on the radio and do this. Well, I, I have to uh, thank you again very much for the uh, opportunity to uh, to share some time with you and to uh, to talk to uh, the public. I think you really do, um, and, and pardon me for a moment, but I really do believe you personify individuals who are willing to listen to you know any side of of any issue regardless of how extreme it might be and so i am your work is exemplary and i got to thank you for it and again if, if there's going to be a venue that's going to afford me an opportunity to say a few parting words um i'm very uh honored and pleased to have been able to, to share this time and, and to say them with you so thank you very much and, sure. and again thank you to the to the people who are calling i'm you know, I am also amazed. I, I I really did expect that we wouldn't be able to talk uh, about this, that I would be, uh, as you put it, crucified. Mm. But the very fact that people are responding as they are is what has kept me going for a year and a half. And I, I really believe that people know there is much more to what is going on than what we are being told. And so thank you to your listeners. Thank you to you. Thank you to the people I've worked with in the past. Thank you to, to the entire world for affording me the opportunity to to express what may be considered uh, slightly radical. All right, well, back to the Inquisition. Uh, Art, how come your guest has not mentioned the following? Knights of Malta, also known as Knights of St. John, who are the Catholics or Italians. Knights, Teutonics, who are the Germans and Serbs, and that is why, by the way, the UN did not want to bomb the Serbs. The Knights Templar escaped France in the 10th century, went to New York, England, and Scotland, Thus, the Scottish Rite and the New York Rite, uh, excuse me, and the York Rite, by the way, all of the above run the world. Any reaction to that? Well, the question that was posed, you know, why didn't we address that? Number one, simply the time constraints and the need to focus on, on essentially one topic. I will not exclude uh, so many organizations that throughout our history have been, uh, you know, labeled as either secret societies or, or uh, cultic societies. Um, the, the time is, is part of the restraint. Um, some of these uh, groups get rather radical, and I know it may sound strange coming from me, but I do try to be very skeptical and, and, and deal with information that we can verify uh, from several sources. And so while the individual who sent the fact is probably correct in that these societies do influence and continue to influence. Mm -hmm. um, our topic, uh, as we began this evening, was with the Knights Templar in, in time and focus simply don't permit. All right, that, that's a fair answer. And then this, uh, Art, those so-called religious persons who would censor or obliterate, there's a word for you, as close to liquidate, I guess, obliterate your guests, are really betraying the weakness of their own faith. Real faith can stand firm in the winds of deception, doesn't need to try to silence them. Your guesswork is not correct, but neither is Christendom. The truth is a little of both. There really was a Christ, a real person, but the one presented by Christendom has, has been so watered down, effeminated, and politically corrected, that he no longer represents the true Son of God if you want to know what the real Christ was and is like, he's right there in the Bible, not in the churches. Uh, that's from Alhambra. I take it you disagree with that. Um, 
I, I don't disagree that the true image of the uh, the teacher that appeared at that time has been completely distorted. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, again, you know, I I, I simply offer my uh, my research, and uh, you know, I think you need to sit down with uh, the radical writings of Morning Sky, the Bible, the Koran, um, and and all of these books, and and every individual has to to weigh them for themselves. So. Mm -hmm. All right, um, back we go. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, is there any chance that when he was hit by that car that it was just an accident, maybe a drunk driver? Yes. I would like to believe that. It's a fair question, but it was 11.30 at night and the headlights were off. Yeah, there's a lot of crazies out there. Yeah, there are. I mean, yes, of course it is possible. Uh, however... Um, based on what I've heard him say this morning, uh, such an attempt wouldn't surprise me, would it you? Oh, I don't know what to believe. This is so awesome, I can't believe it. I, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Yes, there's always, uh, w when you don't know, when somebody hit you and ran, uh, what the hell do you know, uh, except that a crime has been committed in the running. And the gentleman uh, is correct. I, I really would like to believe that it was an accident. Of course. I'm just very concerned because of the research that we're doing that that it, it was a factor and as i said my wife and i agonized about it we didn't know did we want to sure. go ahead and say this or not and so the gentleman is absolutely correct and i would like to think it was an accident that nevertheless does not change my my feeling about the work and and uh, right uh west of the rockies you're on the air with uh, robert morning sky hello good morning robert uh this is monterey dave i uh an accident i don't think but uh my question was have you read any of the Dead Sea Scrolls and the the references in there to the darker uh, leader during that period, and also the uh, esoteric and the uh, secular meanings behind all the imagery that's in the Bible? Um, our resources come from all over the United States. I, I do have a source coming out of Australia uh, that has provided... Um, as best as is possible, ancient interpretations, the, the linguistic interpretations of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and so I'm familiar um, with it. Again, you know, you're subject to the researcher and their interpretation of our particular phrase or, or a word. So I am familiar with it. Um, I, I am very fortunate in that I have uh, Native American background. I've worked with the Aborigines, the Maoris, other Native peoples throughout the planet, and that has played a very, very big part in, uh, one, assisting me in, in unraveling a lot of the prophecies that, that we find around the planet. But the prophecies and the work that I had been doing up to less than two months ago uh, supports dramatically what is in the Dead Sea Scrolls and what is occurring now. So I find myself overwhelmed with what what is coming out of all of this. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hello there. Yes. Where are you, please? I'm Tennessee, Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi. One question I have is concerning the Knights of Malta and the Knights that he referring to. Um, back in Malta, they, they had, during that time, they had pagans which worshipped the uh, god of fertility. Does that have anything to do with this being the head of Mary, that the night that he referred to? There, there is an indirect line uh, through Mary, is, is 
specific way I would put it. One of the things that has come out in our research, and, and this is not just in the last few months, but in the last couple of years, is that, in fact, the oldest religions of, of man are all based on a mother goddess. There are a female-oriented religion. And the Knights of Malta, the Templar Knights, the Freemasons, all the societies, if you examine their uh, writings very carefully, in fact, they have an orientation towards a, a, a woman, towards a, a goddess as opposed to a god. And so, yes, there are links from Templar Knights to uh, the Knights of Malta back to a very, very ancient religion based on a mother goddess. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Uh, yes, Art and Carl from San Francisco. Yes. I have a couple of questions. Fire away. Um, I read an article uh, in Perception Magazine by uh, Morning Sky, and uh, he referred to um, uh, a group of beings from Sirius that were dog a dog-like race. And I wanted to know, um, the first in the first question, I wanted to know, um, how does this connect with uh, Sitchin saying that they were um, from Nibiru and uh, looking more like human beings? Or was that symbolic or was that an actual likeness uh, in your article that they look like dog-like beings? Okay. Uh, number one, the article that was in Perceptions Magazine, and I'm, I am an admirer of the magazine, was I, I did not write it. It was written by uh, a lady who I have respect for up in the Northwest. Mm -hmm. The individuals that I uh, talk about, the beings that I talk about from the star system, Sirius, uh, I have portrayed them or, or suggested that they are descended from a canine-type race. However, they are humanoid. Okay. Um, and so it does not in any way uh, conflict with uh, Mr. Sitchin, who I, I really admire. I believe he's an unrecognized scholar. Okay. Uh, and so do, uh, the second part of the question is... Uh, uh, the planet Sirius, how does it connect with uh, the planet Nibiru? And I'll take that answer on the air. All right. Thanks. Our research has suggested that the uh, planet Nibiru, in fact, is not a, a planet as uh, portrayed by, again, with all respect to Mr. Sitchin. Uh, Nibiru is uh, another type of heavenly body that, um, and I believe Mr. Sitchin has gone on record. Someone uh, can correct me if I've made a mistake, but I believe he's gone on record as saying that that Hale-Bopp, I, I believe he said it's a harbinger of Nibiru. Yes, he did. I, I interviewed him, and that is yes. exactly what he said. Yes, and he, this, this is a harbinger of Nibiru. And, and my understanding, and unfortunately I wish I, I had more contact with the gentleman, um, I, I am not sure when he suggests the return of Nibiru occurs. But in a book that we, we published a few months ago called Prophecy, in it, we link uh, the Blue Star Kachina, uh, some uh, Mesopotamian goddess, the, the sun disk of the Egyptians, and Nibiru. We have an entire linguistic study on Nibiru and how, in fact, uh, the term Nibiru is what gave birth to the term Nephilim, which is obviously a, a biblical term referring to, to the, the, uh, uh, the sons of the gods of long ago. And so I hesitate almost to mention it in, in a very, very brief time, but... Nibiru, I suggest, is linked with the Hale-Bopp Comet, which is linked with Hopi Prophecies, which ties in dramatically well with uh, Mr. Sitchin's work. I do not disagree with virtually anything he says. What we do disagree on are, are just minor interpretations of some old words. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morningsky. Good morning. Uh, this is Clyde from uh, Memphis. 
Uh, I'd like to ask Mr. Morningside about the uh, Holy uh, Blood and Holy Grail. And there's a question when I read it as to who was that priest and the woman uh, in that French town. Uh, the, the priest's name was uh, Berenger Saunier. Uh, he was a, a very uh, uh, odd individual, uh, uh, a priest that was assigned to essentially the, the outskirts, the perimeters of France. He was assigned to this uh, um, parish, and uh, prior to his arrival, he was very poor. He had difficulty surviving, but in attempting to rebuild a, uh, a chapel, a church that was in his domain, the story is that he discovered in the ruins of this church uh, several parchment scrolls, and on these scrolls was a genealogy. Uh, he approached his superior, a cardinal who, excuse me, a bishop, who then instructed him to go to uh, Paris, I believe, to speak to some holy church authorities there. They examined the parchments. When he came back to his tiny little parish, he was suddenly a very wealthy man. A bank in Paris uh, assigned him uh, an agent to take care of his business affairs. Um, he was a very enigmatic uh, priest uh, who went from extraordinary uh, poverty to extreme wealth. One of the most curious things about him is that um, when he passed away uh, on January the 17th, he was uh, 65 years, I believe, 65 years of age. He was, he was quite healthy. As a matter of fact, his village had uh, just toasted uh, his good health and how extremely uh, healthy he was for a man of his age. However, he suddenly dies on January the 17th of a stroke, and uh, the mystery is deepened when it is uncovered in Holy Blood and Holy Grail. It is uncovered that his housekeeper, the woman who worked for him, ordered his coffin five days before his death, hmm. yet his his heart attack, his stroke, was an accident. And so the mystery deepens about uh, Sonia, um, and it appears, at least from what they are suggesting, uh, the information that's coming out, is that he accidentally discovered these scrolls that uh, lead us to believe that there is a secret genealogy of the family of Jesus. Uh, I agree with the authors of uh, the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail, that this appears to be a deliberate manipulation of the fact that there is a deliberate effort to release this genealogy in what more dramatic way than to have a priest discover them in the ruins of a church. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert, I had um, a very interesting show last night, and we were talking about the Sphinx, and we had revealed to us the fact, uh, leaked to us, I guess, the fact that there are nine chambers uh, that have just been discovered below the Sphinx. Uh -huh. uh, Graham Hancock believes there will be information contained therein that will change the nature of the world. Everything we believe, every path we have been on, he believes will be called into question as having been the wrong path meaning we're still on the wrong path now. I when, agree. When, you know, I've had a feeling you were going to. Mm -hmm. Let us uh, delve into that when we come back. Uh, from the high desert, you're listening to live talk radio. Well, all right. Robert Morning's guy is my guest. He's not been pulling any punches, so I'm not going to either. Art, there is documented proof that Christ existed. 
the Crusaders, Knights Templar, Knights Malta, Knights Teutonic, came along in the 10th century. The Knights Templar are still carrying a grudge because Pope Clement V was persuaded to abolish the order, gave their wealth to the King of France. Be careful, Art. You are talking to an anti-Christ. I am part Indian Cherokee, and those Indians have weird beliefs. By the way, I believe the saying is, if you divulge any secrets that you have learned here, may your bowels be ripped from your body and shoved down your throat. Otherwise, I take it, uh, Robert, you're having a good day. <laughs> I'm having a very good day, sir. And one of the things that I am most pleased about in response to this fact is that those things that, that we have been talking about tonight are in full public view. Other authors have written about them, and so... I am revealing no secrets. I am simply taking pieces and putting them together and saying, take a look at how they fit. That's well, so sometimes, though, so, uh, you see, that's what CIA does, Robert. They take little bits here and little bits there. And really, you don't get to the secret until the bits come together. So you may be a teller if, of if secrets. If that be the case, then, then I would plead guilty, but I would take pride in being able to portray a picture where, you know, the... the the pieces do fit quite well. Mm -hmm. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hello? Yes, hello. Yeah, this is John in Houston. Houston, yeah. Yeah, I just want, I was wondering, uh, I was wondering, uh, what the comments mean about him ending his career. Because well, I, if you've been, if you've been listening, uh, for the past several hours, uh, uh, the ending of what was his career um, should be should be obvious. Uh, we should need to explain that to you. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, yes. Where are you? Uh, I'm in San Diego. My name's Kurt. Okay, Kurt. And uh, I'm putting my radio off here. That's good. Uh, yeah. I was wondering a few questions. They all relate uh, to a past program you had with Robert on. Uh, on the Starbeams. Yes. And uh, my first question was, since the nearest uh, star system we know of is 4.3 light years away, mm -hmm. how did they travel this distance? All right. The old speed of light question, uh, Robert, uh, care to comment? Well, uh, simple question. My, my very quick response is that uh, obviously the speed of light and the technology that that we deem to be appropriate to the universe is all based on, on earthly physics and, and earthly observations. I would simply suggest that the rules which we believe apply to the universe are very, very uh, narrow and the perspective is inaccurate and the speed of light can be exceeded, whether one calls it time warp. Uh, uh, You're suggesting that the rules may be localized. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, to the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Hello, Art. Um, yes. How are you? I'm okay. Okay, good. I have a question for um, Mr. Morning Star. Um, it Sky. Was... Morning Sky. Morning Sky, sorry. Um, it has to do with um, Mary of Magdalene. Yes. And I'm not really clear on a lot of parts of it. I, I remember seeing something about it on TV um, where they sort of suggested that... Um, Mary of Magdalene brought with her the chalice to France, and they sort of suggested that it wasn't necessarily um, a goblet or a glass, more of that she was the the Holy Grail, um, so to speak. And um, 
I'll hang up and listen to your response. All right. The um, interpretation that has led to uh, such, I believe, confusion is again addressed in Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and we've done it in our work in prophecy in this in this new paper. The the term that was originally applied to Mary uh, was literally sangral, but the term is uh, two words. It's sangre, S-A-N-G-R-E, which means blood, and real, which is royal. She was the carrier of the sangreal. The difficulty is that in time the interpretation became san, S-A-N, which does mean in fact saintly, but then graal, which was interpreted as grail. So it is a misinterpretation, the holy grail is a misinterpretation of the royal blood, uh, royal blood, sangre real. And uh, authors, uh, Bajantly and Lincoln, do a very good uh, uh, presentation of that material in, in their book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. So it is it is true that it appears that the so-called cup, chalice, or grail was not in fact a physical goblet, that it in fact referred to Mary and that she was the holder of the holy blood of the royal uh, blood of Jesus. All right, I'm going to read something and take a quick break, which I have to do, and I want you to think about it, Robert. Art, ask Robert if he or anyone is willing to die for a lie. For example, did Sitting Bull win the war against the whites? If you say no, we let you live. If you say yes, we'll boil you in oil and crucify you upside down and then feed you to the lions. All of which happened to the original 12 disciples and thousands of Christians. If the disciples had not actually seen Jesus resurrected, they would never have died for a lie. Because it was true, they were not only willing to be martyrs, but happy about it. Ken from Arkansas. In a moment, Robert's response. Now to Robert, uh, Morning Sky. Robert, uh, you heard that fact. Dying for a lie. Why would the disciples, why would so many Christians have been willing to die for a lie? Uh, let's not talk of the later ones, but the early ones, the disciples, the ones who uh, sensibly are said to have witnessed all of this. It's a good question. Well, I think it's a, it's a very good question. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that this is, how do I ask it? If he's asking for my opinion, I would suggest that the disciples, as well as numerous, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people throughout our history, have been willing to accept uh, guilt and/or blame in order to save someone. For example, in, and I'm not saying that this is true, but in the example, excuse me, in the movie Spartacus, at the very end, uh, the, the hundreds of slaves stand up and claim to be Spartacus in an effort to spare uh, Spartacus uh, his life. And so in, in the sense that they assumed the lie, I am Spartacus, they went to uh, their death for the cause they believed in. So one could say they died for a lie, they died pretending they were Spartacus. However, I think that um, if people die for a cause, they die because they believe in it. The, the problem with that is sometimes what people believe in is not accurate. So I guess my my position is is the semantics. I don't believe anybody dies for a lie. I believe that they die for causes which may be inaccurate. Very gently done. 
All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. This is David, uh, Liberal, California. Yes. I'd like to know, uh, are the Templars or the family behind them connected to the CFR or the Trilateral Commission? And are any of them the same 19 people uh, working in the White House right now? <laughs> All right. I hesitate to oversimplify. My answer is a very generic yes. A generic yes. Generic not, a, yes. not a specific yes. Exactly, uh, because I do believe that the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations, is a front for the family. I do believe that's the case. I do believe that the powers in the White House, behind the throne in England, uh, et cetera, are a part of the secret family. So... Uh, it, it's a very qualified, uh, yes, they are not specifically, uh, the P2, the Knights of Malta, Knights Templar, the CFR, the Trilateral Commission. They are not specifically that. These organizations are the front for this family. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Oh, golly. Um, First of all, Art Bell, I would like to thank you with deepest gratitude for the wonderful work you're giving into the United States. Thank you. Where are you? I'm in Las Vegas. My Las name Vegas. is Morningstar. Oh, it is? Yes, it is. It's tribal. And um, I would like to um, ask uh, Robert Morningsky uh, what his opinion is of um, Paul of Tyana the gentleman from Tyana, uh, if he has any opinion on it. And also to thank him from the bottom of my heart for all of his wonderful work. Can you respond? I've researched um, quite a long time um, this subject, and I think he's absolutely 100% right on. Okay. So I'll listen up to you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Uh, thank you again. It's, it's always, uh, for me, and, and this is my prejudice, it's always so enheartening uh, to, to find someone else who is of a primitive society who supports what we're doing. So thank her very, very much. Um, I am not sufficiently knowledgeable of this individual that she spoke of to be able to make a comment, and so with great apologies, I, I simply can't answer. I All, don't right. Know. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Oh, I can barely hear you, ma'am. This is Sherry in Minneapolis. Okay, you're going to have to yell at us, I guess. Uh-oh. <clears throat> well, um, I have so many questions. Robert, first of all, I, I want to say um, I haven't studied or done research on the things that you're talking about, but I've developed a worldview um, that I feel is you know, similar to what you're talking about. And, you know, to me, it has led to political activism. It has led to, um, you know, trying to do things to, you know, to protect the people that I care about, which are the people who are in the position that I'm in. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you about that. You know, what do we do, given that all of this is true? You know, given the... All right. Uh, that, that is a good question. What do we do, given that all of this uh, is true? What, what, what is the path that you advise? My immediate reaction is, you know, that it is such a, a uh, oh, boy, it, it, this is a really good question. Mm -hmm. There is so much that is involved, so many different groups, organizations, societies, the myriad, it's a dummy corporation inside a dummy corporation, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, I think if, if we look at the overall view, and again, again, I'm really oversimplifying here, but the power 
fast controls the planet, whether one deems it terrestrial or extraterrestrial. The power that controls this planet are, are in the hands of a very precious few. And the way in which they succeed is that we, the general public, are taught to accept and never question and never challenge. We are not taught, in fact, to use our minds, the very gift which, if everyone believes in a God, we are given a mind which we are then not permitted to use. The problem is we're taught to accept. And so my immediate reaction is accept nothing. Challenge everything. Um, I agree with, with uh, Mr. Hancock. I, I will... Uh, yeah, I meant, I'm, as a matter of fact, I meant to come back to that. Yeah. But I, w I will go a step further. And as I, I used to say in all my workshops, accept nothing, challenge everything, up is down, black is white, and everything you've ever been taught is a lie. One of the things that we had uh, put in the second coming uh, conspiracy in these papers is a linguistic study that shows, in fact, that the very earliest terms applied to male and female have been reversed. And so without getting into it in depth, the uh, those human beings who we today refer to as males in the very ancient societies, that individual was a female. In other words, the sex roles, the names, the appellations have been reversed. Yeah, I, I think I'm beginning to catch on. Everything is a lie. You you almost embrace the faith of the lie uh, that uh, uh, that nothing is as we we have been led to believe or taught. Exactly. We're taught to accept. We're not taught to challenge. Mm -hmm. That's why when you go into the classroom and you ask a question that may plague the teacher to some extent, the first thing she says is, don't get smart. Yeah, the, 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 pro <laughs> the support uh, that I would find for what you're suggesting is what may lie beneath the Sphinx. And if that's what is beneath the Sphinx, then I suggest the Brookings report is exactly right. And frankly, if I had those materials in my hand, I don't know what I'd do with them, Robert. Exactly. I, 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 I might burn them. Exactly, and that's, I might that's, burn them. that's I, our position, and I have spoken to, to two other researchers that, who are known on a global scale, and the question that we have is, do you tell the public I don't knowing think so. these things? Uh, and, and, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, um, I mean, what we have talked about this evening and what we have presented in our workshops is not even close to being the tip of the iceberg of what the research shows. And so I don't want to take away from the world its faith, its belief systems, what it accepts to be true. I don't want to do the, that. The world is not ready for what you're saying. I, believe I, I, I mean, some of the people that are calling, or even a majority tonight, amazingly are, but I'm t I know. <laughs> I, I, believe you're, I believe you're absolutely correct. And, yeah. and again, that has played no small part in our saying, no, we're not going to continue. The agony workshop. of doing this, sure. Yeah, so what we're going to do is, is we're going to finish the books that we have uh, begun. We're going to offer them to the public. If the support from the public is there, and again, I marvel at the response that we have gotten this evening. I really do. So if they are willing to support and willing to... They probably are. They, they probably are going to. And what you're going to need to do is find a good publisher, one exactly. who will go for it, yeah. publish the book, find a nice Central American country <laughs> where you can sit and enjoy and collect royalties for years to come. I, I would like to sit in the States on a reservation somewhere in Powwow every weekend. Uh-huh. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Good morning to both of you. Good morning Robert to you. Morning, Star. Very, very Sky. program. Sky, Robert, Sky. 
You know, Robert, have you ever thought that you ought to change it to star because they just want to call you a star? Yes, sir. Well, you're indeed the star of the show, so that's probably where that uh, subconscious (laughs) contract comes. A quick reference to an earlier remark about uh, Christendom and its martyrdom in the past. I can only reference to the present time in Vietnam when friends of mine, comrades of mine, died thinking and believing they were fighting for the right reason, only for us in the living to find out later, some 20 years later, that uh, there was much uh, political intrigue, if you know what I'm saying. So, There's always political intrigue in war, sir, and yes. for you to suggest that 20 years later their lives were given in vain makes me angry. So oh, no, careful. no, no, not at all. No, no. I, I 20 don't, years I, has not changed a damn thing, and those people who gave their lives gave them valiantly and gave them with uh with cause and uh, right right art right correct art and what i'm just suggesting is that when i was very young going into the service as many of us do in any country we are perhaps uh induced to do so only to find out later that there was a slightly a twist in the in the operation and not to demean the reason and cause for which we died for yeah thank you very much all right, thank you. Um, let's see. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, uh, my only question is I don't really see where the conflict is between uh, the Bible or Christians and what, what Mr. Morning Sky is saying in terms of say, uh, if a Christian says that uh, Jesus died, therefore he could have had children, then he can't be a Christian because the Bible says that Jesus didn't die. He was He was dead for three days, but his physical body... The Bible says that he died and was resurrected. You know, that is what it says. Yeah, so it doesn't seem to be in conflict with with having children or getting married. Oh, I I follow you now. Uh, Is that an acceptable... uh... It's certainly plausible what he is saying. Um, Again, it sounds like uh, we may be agreeing in the essence and only maybe disagreeing in the details. And so... um, I'm, I'm pleased that he doesn't see uh, difficulty with, with what we have done. Um, but but there's, there's a lot of importance in detail. <laughs> we, I, I, I mean, we, we may gloss over them to find areas of agreement, but I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here feeling the details. <laughs> well, I agree. I mean, the difference is that um, I, I do not believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he survived it, and this gentleman is saying that uh, he was resurrected and came right. back in full physical life. And so, uh, perhaps no, I've... Actually, I've, non-trivial details. Look, yeah, um, perhaps I, I've demeaned it by saying it's a detail when, in fact, it, it, it could be very vital to, you know, the belief system and what we're presenting. All right, look, Robert, listen, there. there's only one hour of the show left. Um, I don't feel like doing an hour after this. So, stick around for one more and you will have done it. All right? Uh, one more hour, Robert. <laughs> one more. Yes. Okay, all right. You got it. We'll be right back. Now to Robert Morning Sky. Robert, again, thank you for staying on because uh, the last hour after this incredible four hours plus now, I would have just been answering questions that you should have been answering. And I, I'd, I'd be sitting here saying, well, that's a question you should be asking Mr. Morning Sky. Well, I think, uh, thank you very much, you know, for the opportunity. It's obvious I am a little tired in that, but... The response, uh, you know, the people that have been calling and that, um, it's massive. I, I'm, I'm astounded. I, I'm just absolutely 
you know, a surprise, but at the same time, I am so, so pleased and enheartened mm-hmm. when I know that there are people that are out there who can listen to, obviously, what is controversial material, and they can see that some of it makes sense, or at least perhaps I'm optimistic that they can see sense in it. But Or uh, at the very least, sit out there and apparently, for the most part, listen with a very open mind. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I do. I'm very shocked. Exactly. And, and I, I have to thank you again, and I've, you've probably heard it a no, dozen you don't. times. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank All you right. very much. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this is Zeb. Zeb. I'm living in Minnesota. Okay, Zeb. Um, I just wanted to say that, like, the last year, it's it's great to hear someone like Robert talking because the last year, a bunch of my friends and I have been talking about there's so much stuff that we have to unlearn, you know, that we've been taught our whole lives. And I just wanted to say that I think all that information should be out there for the public to hear, you know. At the end of the last hour, you said that a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle it. That's right. And I think that's kind of harmful in itself, too, because there's a lot of people out here. It may be, but it's true. Trust me, it's true. But I, I, you know, I, I will take to heart what you have said. In fact, turn it into sort of a question for you, Robert, and that is, if everything is a lie and everything should be challenged and everything is roughly backwards from the way that we think we know it, then what he said is true. We have so much to unlearn. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, when we were doing the the uh, quest, the vision quest for the uh, various individuals you know, over the last year that I've been very fortunate to be in contact with, one of the first things that what we told him was, you're going to have to unlearn everything you have taught, that's just to get you back to ground zero so that then you can turn around and take a look at what is really out there. So um, Zeb is, is remarkably insightful. You know, you do have to unlearn. That's absolutely correct. The difficulty is, as you and I, because I, I have the uh, feeling that Zeb is a relatively young man and he's very fortunate, um, your experience and mine uh, tends to lead us to... Um, you know, the conclusion that the world probably isn't ready. On the other hand, I think we need to to put the material out there, and that's what I hope, that's what my wife and I are hoping will happen, is that we have an opportunity to print all of this stuff at least, you know, one last time and let the public take a look at it and then let them judge after that. But, they they uh, will do that, believe me. Uh, yeah. So. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morningsky. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Mike in uh, KDX Country. Hi, Mike. I wanted to make a comment and then ask a couple of questions. Sure. A man uh, who was one of the scientists that uh, examined the, the uh, Shroud of Turin, yes. he gave up his career because he would not debunk it. He was a Jewish man of Jewish faith, and after examining it, he was absolutely convinced that Christ arose from the dead, and he made a documentary and handed it to another gentleman, and it's called The Silent Witness. And if he watches that video, he will have no doubt in his mind that Christ did live and arose from the dead. My question was, what other garment or or cloth or any any object can be photographed and upon developing it, produce nothing but a negative? Well, there remains, though, uh, much controversy about the Shroud of Turin, does there not? Well, there is a lot of debunking about it, but 
If you watch Silent Witness, NASA and all kinds of other scientists absolutely are convinced that this was the the uh, burial uh, cloth of Christ. Yes, I understand. Now, all right, well, all right. One, one, of the, the, one, one No, wait, wait. One at a time. Okay. Let's go for that one, Robert. Uh, the Shroud of Turin. Um, I'm familiar with the uh, the I'm familiar with the video. I have not seen it. The gentleman who was responsible for the book on the uh, secret of the Shroud of Turin, I believe his name is either Kirster or Kirsten. I apologize, I don't recall. Um, his work uh, is familiar uh, to me. We did uh, examine it. Um, I do not have any difficulty in accepting that the shroud. Uh, there is some sort of phenomena attached to it. Um, I, I, however, have difficulty connecting it with uh, the uh, the figure known as Christ. Um, I believe that there is perhaps a little more to the shroud than we have been told. However, um, there's a leap of faith here between the shroud and the Jesus story that I can't quite make. So um, I, I'm not uh, denying that there there is something with the shroud. I just can't quite make that link with the uh, story of Jesus. Okay, caller. And one other thing is he mentioned that he believes that all this uh, information was fabricated. So isn't it also conceivable that the fabrication that Christ wasn't who he said he was or those scriptures are not correct is also fabricated to create like a double whammy in other words to uh, debunk the faith of the Christians and also uh, bring a a large following of people to the so-called antichrist Uh, that's absolutely correct And, and my position again as I stated much earlier in the program is that I have a newspaper background and I am not comfortable with making a statement or accepting a statement until I have three separate and distinct sources that aren't going to affect one another. And we believe that we have found uh, sources in Europe, in Egypt, and uh, believe it or not, even in Native America that support the conclusions that we've come to. So you're absolutely correct. Virtually any statement, anything written, anything videotaped can be altered, distorted, or a complete fabrication. That's why I think it is necessary to look at as, as many sources as possible so that one is comfortable with the conclusion. And so the gentleman is correct. We have at least three to four sources on, on all of our documentation, and that's why I'm a little comfort- a little more comfortable. All right. Uh, all right, uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, this is Bob in Tuscaloosa. Hi, Bob. Um, I'd like to say something to Robert, please. You are. Okay, Robert, uh, I'm aware that you say you're a Native American. Well, I am also. I'm east of the, uh, east of the Mississippi. But anyway, all Native Americans don't believe such things as that. See, the white man's book from heaven is the way we accepted the Bible. And I'm talking about back in years ago, many years ago. Now, there's a lot of us that have that belief that we have the Bible, 66 books, you know, and it's from God. Now, a man that does not believe in God, he could not believe that the Bible is from God. I think that's what you've been hearing. But now, that's what we believe is that the Bible is from God, and we don't care what happened back during the time that what you're talking about, about the pyramids or whatever. We still believe that Bible 
is from God, and whatever is found, we still believe it, and we can care less of whatever is found anywhere. All right. Uh, that's a good statement of absolute faith, and I don't think anybody's going to challenge it. Absolutely correct. I, I, I wouldn't question it at all. Um, uh, as I said earlier in the program, I speak to no one other than myself, and um, I would not dare dream about taking this gentleman's faith away from him. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. 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 Turn your radio oh, off. Oh, off, off, off. Yes, hi. Hi, where are you? I'm uh, calling from Anchorage, Alaska. All right. Um, I, well, Mr. Bell? Yes. Um, I, I'm experiencing some, somewhat of a spiritual crisis here. Hello? Yes, uh, please, go ahead. Um, I'm talking through my Macintosh computer. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I grew up and went to Baptist Church. Um, I was baptized a Mormon as a teenager. I married a Buddhist. I have a daughter now who is eight years old and is asking questions about God. And I don't know what to tell her. Well, I'm not sure we can tell you what to tell her. Uh, Robert, uh, would you offer any advice? No, I, I agree with you. Um, whether it's religion, faith, discipline, whatever you want to call it, that, that is purely subjective, and, and I could not... Uh, there is no way that I could say anything as to you know what you can tell your daughter. Uh, I agree with you, Art. Uh, there's nothing we can say to her except wish her you know, the best. Sure. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Going once... Going twice, gone. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning, Sky. Hello. Uh, good morning. Good mo uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, I have a few things I can go all over with this. Uh, the trans-universal idea of, you know, people from another place being here. <clears throat> real easy for me to see that this planet could have just easily been an exile prison, so to speak. And left here. And this whole idea of these forms of religions is kind of like a life-kicking way to get out of prison. Appease the warden, and maybe we'll go back. And after the last 5,000 documented years, it's been diluted and corrupted so bad that we have a bunch of people running around, you know, insanely uh, with this idea. And what I'd like to know is if it has that crossed your um, concept of what's, been, what's gone on, what's going on. In regards to this being like a penal colony? Well, originally as being a penal colony, and the whole concept of the... It, it's a very intriguing thought. Um, our research, and, and again, I, I have to stress that uh, a lot of where uh, my materials came from were from the ancient myths and legends of primitives, you know, across the globe. I don't want to, to say just Native Americans. And then it was a process of going through and, and taking linguistic analysis, comparing them, finding the patterns and seeing, you know, what common threads there were. And uh, what we have uncovered uh, seems to be more in line with, for example, what Mr. Sitchin has suggested, that there wasn't a, a, a deliberate colonization effort here and that man is essentially a slave, a beast uh, created to uh, serve the gods. However, because of 
our unique situation, we have found that there were ancient civilizations that, that predated even the existence of Earth, that there were, there, there were civilizations on Mars and Venus, uh, including the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. There was an additional planet that obviously doesn't exist any longer now where the asteroid belt was. And so the idea that you present is plausible. Um, it perhaps is a slightly different way of saying that we are servants to the gods. Uh, perhaps, I, I don't know about prisoners to a warden. Actually, it, it kind of works in my mind, but not, not that the whole story isn't quite that. It's not quite that. All right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Oh, hello. This is Ed in Sunland, California. Hi. Okay. Uh, yes, this is a great show tonight. A couple of quick questions. Uh, first, on a short wave uh, one time, I heard excerpts of the audio portion of a BBC documentary on the uh, Templars uh, in France, and I wonder if you know about that. And also, what about the spearhead of uh, Guinness, I think it is, in the museum in uh, Vienna? And could you give your contact number again? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Spear of Aquinas, I'm only just vaguely familiar with. There are several myths and legends about it that intrigue me, but I have not researched it per se. Uh, there is a contact that we have in France. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the last parting shots uh, that I will um, present to the world is there is a, a uh, documentary crew out of France that is offered to videotape uh, the, this information on the Templar Knights and some other things. And really? it's going to be uh, produced in, in France. And this very same group, I have requested uh, additional information, both audio and video, that are apparently available in Europe, but they're not available in the United States. I am aware of some of those materials. I believe part of what I received in the mail a couple of months ago may very well have been, as I said, the material available over there, but which we can't get here in the land of the free. Robert, I'm going to allow you to give your number again in a moment when we come back. The bottom of the hour approaches. I need my desert calm. This is Maria. You know I need this on Saturday. Well, all right, uh, Robert, you have just about uh, run the gauntlet, as it were. We're in the final segment, so uh, here we go. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Robert Morning Sky. Good morning. Morning, Art. Uh, morning, Robert. Uh, yes, uh, I'm afraid, Robert, I disagree with you, because uh, I saw this show, well, it's been some months ago, about the crucifixion, uh, Jesus Christ, and my Lord, there were two doctors on the show, and the uh, immense pain, suffering, you wouldn't believe it, it's absolutely phenomenal. Maybe four to six hours a person could live, and they're dead. You're referring to the process of crucifixion. Right. Uh, I think it would be Mr. Morning Sky's position that that never occurred. Uh, oh, he doesn't agree that uh, Jesus was uh, nailed to the cross? I'll let him uh, speak for himself. Okay. Um, actually, that's not correct. I do believe that there was a crucifixion. I do believe that he endured the pain and the suffering. Um, we have presented in, in the Terra Papers our scenario. I do believe that all of, of, of the uh, stations of the cross, the crucifixion, the nailing, uh, all of those things did occur. Where I differ is that when the body was taken down, that it was not lifeless. In fact, that there was life in the body and that he did survive the cross. So, well, I sir, I, sister, uh, do you realize how long he was up on the cross? 
I'm sorry? How long was he up on the cross? Uh, it, it, I, I hear varying versions. At least a couple of days. Who interprets a couple of days? No, no, no. The, it, actually, it, it's a matter of hours. If one oh. looks at the Hebrew, um, excuse me, at, at the Jewish law and the Roman law, apparently he had to have been taken down on the very same uh, evening that he was crucified. And so uh, I, I am not making this judgment call. I am going by some of the uh, the... Jewish researchers and others who suggest that he was only up for less than a day and, and depending on the individual hours. And so, I, again, I, I, don't, I don't disagree that there was a crucifixion. In fact, I believe that there was. Okay, I, I apologize for misrepresenting right. your uh, position. That's quite all right. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hello. Yes, I wanted to ask um, him, where is he getting a lot of his information? Because it sounds a lot like what Dr. York has been teaching for over the past 25 years. Uh, where are you, Mitch? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, all right. Uh, okay, fair question. Tell her. Okay, I, I'm not familiar with, with the name Yurik. Uh, York. I'm sorry, York? Mm -hmm. um, with apologies, I'm not familiar with this individual. Um I can sit and quote some of the authors and the researchers, if you would like, certainly Bajant Lee Lincoln, uh, 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 Barbara Thiering, um, several researchers who are, are probably nameless, but um, the, the individual that she named I, I am not familiar with. A lot of people call him the Messiah. Um, he's been teaching, you know, a lot of things that you're saying about angelic beings or aliens. Um, bringing with the human race and us being a part of them. A lot of what you're saying, he's been teaching for well over 25 years. Um, it's, it's really not something new to um, the people who uh, read his teachings. He's written over hundreds of books um, that can date back to 20 years ago um, where you can get the same information from. And it seems like about the um, ship Nibiru or the planet Nibiru, he's from Planet Ritz and the Orion Nebula, and it seems like a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what he's written about. I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar but you don't have all the answers that he has to a lot of the questions that the people have been calling in and asking questions. You can't answer the questions um, where someone who is well-read in his teachings can answer. Well, that's obvious. He has not read it. He admitted that. So, um, that, Well, that, that a lot of funny. people out there with a lot of questions, I think that if they do want to find out the answers to their questions, a lot of questions that I've heard asked are answered in his book. All right. Uh, well, there's another, another reference for everybody then. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Morningsky. Hi. Hi. Yes, my name is Joyce, and I'm from Nashville, too. Okay, I'm good. Turn, uh, turn your radio off, if you would, please. I didn't think I was going to get through. Well, then you uh, you, you can always hope you will. And you, okay. You uh, my question is, in the light of what Mr. Morning Sky is saying, yes. what should a family do? What should an individual person do about this? How can we prepare for the future and uh, the things that might be coming upon the earth? Well, I touched uh, lightly on it earlier to another question, you know, what are we going to do? My, my first suggestion is that one pick up uh, every book, every piece of information, anything that one finds, you know, either piques their interest or is, is important to them. I would read everything. Um, certainly, if this uh, gentleman that the previous caller mentioned, um, I, I'm not familiar with the works, but I'd say read this individual, Zachary Sitchin, Robert Bauvel, Graham Hancock, uh, Colin Anderson. Uh, go to Australia, read some of their researchers. And so my, my initial reaction is 
don't accept anybody ask about everything because point of fact I believe that the elders of, of the world, whether they be white, black, red or yellow, whatever the culture society, I think the elders all have but pieces of the puzzle. I think you need to look at all of the pieces and see what kind of picture it makes as opposed to just one culture, one society, uh, one tribal domain. And so I'd say accept nothing, challenge everything. And I, I think once you examine everything that's out there, your internal uh, truth will react to what is appropriate to you. So probably become aware and uh, challenge everything. Robert, while I'm thinking about it, the number where people can uh, get some of your materials, please. Thank you, yes. Uh, it's a new number for some listeners who have known uh, about us in the past. Our new number is area code 602-404-8050. Okay. Is that, that a, is that staff during the day or what's the deal? It is staff during the day. There's a message machine during the evening. There is an automatic switch. One can go back and forth from either a phone call to a fax. So it's a combination number. We uh, we got the, the latest equipment we could. All right. Area code 602-404-8050. Right? That's correct, sir. Thank All you. All right. Good. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hello. Um, good morning, Norris. Um, good morning. This is Susie from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Hi, Susie. Uh, are you guys washed away? Apparently not. No, we're not. Miraculously, we kept phone service during the whole thing. Well, that's uh, excellent. I, I, you're calling for a guest, aren't you? I have a guest on, yes. Yes, well, you probably don't want to talk to me. I just wanted to call and let you know that we all survived and, and uh, everything seems to be okay here. Well, we're all glad to hear that. In the first half hour, we did talk to some people in North Carolina and South Carolina, and now you as well. Um, I'm glad to know that uh, my birthplace remains relatively intact. Relatively, minus a whole lot of trees. All right. Thank you, dear. Uh-huh. Be well. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning uh, the first time, The first time I ever heard of the Knight Templar was a guy on the radio. He plays on the radio. He broadcasts on... Shortwave, regular radio, TV, satellite, all he runs his program at the same time over all of it. Okay. He's in L.A., uh, P.O. Box 1. No, no, no. Huh? No addresses. Okay. Did you ever hear Dr. Gene Scott? Of course. He, he talks about pyramids and the Templar stuff. You can see Dr. Gene Scott sitting there in his chair on satellite hour after... Yeah, un unrelenting hour. It's absolutely amazing, actually. No, it was the first time I ever heard of the night... This is the second second person I ever heard talk about the Knight Templar. All right. Do you have a specific question? Uh, could this is Knight Templar? Uh, just turned on a while ago. Could they be? I was wondering. Could they be satanic? Satanic? Yeah. Well, uh, that is actually a good direct question. Um, oh, that's that's a good question in in the sense that I suppose. Some people could uh, personify them as that, and some people, I think, have tried, but I find nothing to uh, suggest that, that they're... And, and satanic, I'm assuming, is either devil worship or reverence yes, or yes, yes, satanic yes. ritual. Mm -hmm. I, there is no evidence that, that we have found that indicates that they're satanic at all. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hi. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, sir. Uh, what I think is really amazing, I listen you all night long and uh was Graham uh Hancock last night. And it it seems like you're both coming from the same direction. 
I, I began to discern the same thing. Uh, uh, Graham, of course, more indirectly, but there's certainly a tie, isn't there? Yeah, and, and Graham seems to be going more towards religion now than what I would expect a scientist to do. From the way he was talking and the, the way he was ending up saying we have to find ourselves mm -hmm. and look for a true meaning, uh, and I, I was raised a Catholic, and from what you're saying, uh, Mr. Uh, well, I'll call you Bob. So I said morning star, morning, morning. What, <laughs> I got it mixed up. But anyway, Mr. Morning. Uh, Mr. Morning. He's okay. definitely Mr. Morning. Right I didn't now. call him Ghost though. Yeah. No, don't call him Ghost. <laughs> but uh, what really amazes me is if if like Roswell, if the people that want to hide Roswell give you all kinds of false truths, if during Jesus' time. They put out people to change the story, to get him against the people so they would crucify him. And wouldn't you think at that time that they would have people writing erroneous stories so it would go down, that they didn't want to be the people that had killed this person if he was really who this person was, and they, they, they would be putting out misinformation like that? It's an awfully good bet, uh, if I had to answer the question. Uh, what do you think, Rob? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree. It, it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's just common sense, I believe, and so, yes, I agree, and, and uh, i got to tell you that I am an admirer of Graham Hancock, and um, the, the, the sheer fate of all of this was that I was uh, going to get on a plane the very next day to go to uh, Dartmouth College and to be on the venue with Graham Hancock. I cannot tell you how really sorry I am that I was not able to get on the plane to go be with him, so I am an admirer, and I really do believe that our research uh, is coming from the same place. Perhaps we very slightly in the conclusion of where we're going with it, but um, I am an admirer, and, and I, I'm sorry that I missed this program last night. Uh, I'm sorry you did, too. It was, uh, it was a very significant program, as, by the way, this has been. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Hi. Hi, I, hi Robert. I'm from St. Paul. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you are talking about the theory of... Uh, Christ escaping to India earlier. Yes. And I was wondering how much is written about his time there um, as far as the theorists go? Uh, my understanding, um, there are several uh, writings, and, and I writings I mean books. Apparently there was a teacher in India subsequent to the time or just after the time of the uh, uh, crucifixion uh, known as ISSA, I-S-S-A, and uh, apparently this was a teacher, a healer, someone who attended the mystery school, and it is uh, remarkably close, this individual, to the persona of Jesus as portrayed in the Bible in the New Testament. And, so, um, and, there, and does he say anything about Christ's uh, uh, relationship with Buddhism when he was there? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, it appears that many of his teachings were uh, very similar to Buddhism, and um, right, that's why even now, I mean, Buddhists yes, do yes. hold Christ in high esteem as a teacher. Exactly, and and I believe that part of what has happened, and and with great apologies to the church, I think it's been self-serving. It's supposed to self-empower the church by, I believe, twisting what was actually said, which were much more Buddhist in their inclination than is portrayed, you know, even to this day. For example, 
apparently in the earliest of writings, Jesus did believe in incarnation, which is obviously a very Buddhist uh, uh, thought, mm. but that did not make it into the Bible. Um, no. I'm sure people can come up with numerous stories of the, the Council of Nicaea and, and others who rewrote the Bible in order to perpetuate mm. the myth. And so um, I apologize, I don't recall the author's name. If you want to call the office in the next couple of days, we can look at the individual who wrote the book on the, the teachings of Isa, a remarkable man who lived in India just after the... Uh, uh, I-S-S-A? I-S-S-A, that's correct. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, and have a good morning. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Morning Sky. Uh, hello, Robert. This is uh, the Sparkster. Hey, Sparkster. <laughs> How you doing, guys? Hey, pretty good. Hey, what are you doing uh, talking about this and then all of a sudden leaving? You're kind of dropping a bomb on us all. Um... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Sparkster is a very good friend, someone who was actually very instrumental in my beginning uh, this, this lecture tour about a year and a half ago. Um, I've got, I got to tell you, Sparky, that, that is a, that's a question that is tormenting me, and I look forward to sitting down with you and talking about it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm most concerned about. I don't want my daughter to lose her father. Absolutely. And um, if, if, if you, if your listeners, if anybody out there has a way, and, and certainly Arch, the, the, the possibility of a... Uh, truly demented publisher who would be willing to to take these works and to put them in print so that I could tuck away. You know, if anyone is is someone, uh, uh, please, and I really could use the help. But uh, at this point, um, this this argument with this automobile is awfully persuasive that I need to um, at least, as I I'm doing now, get out of the public eye. I'm going to continue to write so long as public support is there, but you know it's. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, there, I, I interviewed um, a man who wrote a book called The Turner Diaries. Oh, yes, yes, I'm familiar with it. Uh, he found a publisher. You can find one. Yeah, all right, one more thing. Yes, sir. Just for the uh, the listeners out there, there's, a, there's an old saying, when uh, the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, and I think that goes with uh, belief systems throughout until um, we're breaking paradigms as we go day to day by day by day. And Robert is really true, is speaking truth, and this is up to the individual to do their research on this to find their individual truth because there is no smoking gun in any of this. And I thank you for having the show, and Robert, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you, Sparkster. Uh, buddy. All right, take care. Uh, first time caller line, not a lot of time left. You're on the air with Robert Morningstein. Hello, uh, my name is Vicki. I'm phoning from Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Vicki. Hi. Um, I'm just really impressed. It's the first time I've uh, listened to this show, and uh, I'm still sitting out here in my vehicle after uh, driving all night. Oh, uh, my. And uh, I can't get the radio show in my house, unfortunately. But um, I'm, I am going to be phoning your number, uh, Robert, to, to get some more information because I, uh, I and, and ask about if you have a Canadian distributor because I do sell metaphysical books and that type of thing. And, and this is just uh, right up uh, my reader's alley. And um, you made a very brief reference to... Um, uh, a couple of very brief references to the Freemasons, and I was wondering, uh, is there is there any more of a connection there that uh, uh, you were trying to get through? Or? All right, there. I'll tell you what. We are at the end of the program, hon. There's not going to be time to address this. Uh, if you call that number, 
I think you can get together and get the information you want. I, I'm truly sorry, but, you know, we are, have constraints. The program is ending. I can't help sure. it. All right? Thank you very much. And, uh, Robert, um, what to say to you, my friend? Uh, you're embarking, uh, obviously, on a new life. Uh, your life is going to change. If you're careful, it will continue. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm glad. That's the consideration again. My family, my daughter, and and uh, yes. of course others that I that I care about, and uh, I will do what I can. Uh, this program has gone. Uh, I mean, it's played no small part in in convincing me that you know my estimation of mankind is true. That that we really are a compassionate race. We really do want the truth. And we're tired of of the garbage that we've been fed. And uh, I, I thank you very very much. You you really were the first phone call that I accepted this morning, and I'm so pleased to be able to talk with you and and to share with you. And uh, you do the same. Take care and uh, be very careful. Thank you very very much from uh, both me and. My